extra special, extra wonderful, super spectacular, almost to the end episode of Normandy FM, The Last of Us Part 2 edition. Oh, Kenneth Shepard, we are so close to the end. How are you feeling? Uh, feeling like I just got beat up in a theater. <laughs> is that is that what you went to New York to do? Is you, yeah, just, you went I, to- I went to a theater there and I got beat up and I mean, I'm here to report on how realistic getting beat up in a theater is in the last of <laughs> Nature is healing. That's, that's all we needed. <laughs> I am one of your co-hosts, Eric Van Allen, as always, joined by Kenneth Shepard. And today we have a wonderful third chair to join us. The one, the only, oh God, I just realized that I've worked with you forever. I've never asked you how to pronounce your last thought, name. Riley McLeod? Yeah, good job. <laughs> I yes. thought of this just as you were leading into it. And I was like, oh no, I should have said something. No, I, I, I thought about it, and I think I second-guessed myself because I was like, well, I don't want to call him Riley McLeod because that sounds like Fox McLeod. I don't want to assume no, that it's just like Fox McLeod. It's hard. It's it's like Highlander. It's actually not my birth last name, and when people can't spell it or pronounce gotcha. it, I feel really guilty, and sometimes I'll, I'll like panic, and I'll be like, I'm sorry, it's my fault, and people are like, what? And then I'm like, ah, oh, I made it worse. Like. No, it's, it's not your fault. It's Nintendo's fault because yeah. Nintendo has made me think that McLeod is not a real name. It's the name <laughs> of a fox. So, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> Riley, how are you doing today? Are you happy to talk about Last of Us Part Two? Yeah. Here? <laughs> uh, you you were sending me messages that that made me think you were having some dynamic feelings about the Last of Us Part Two revisiting it. Yeah, I, I was watching some Let's Plays. As as you will recall, I reviewed it for Kotaku, where I no longer work. Um, and did not enjoy it terribly. And then watching, I think there's something about watching games where like I'll often want to play them again. And I was like, should I play this game again? And I was like, oh no, like, ugh. like I don't think it's a bad game. There's, a, it feels so unique and it feels so good in how bad it feels. I think a lot, like, like I was watching parts, you know, where they're walking around Seattle and all the water and the trees, and I'm like, oh yeah, I, w- I want to do that, like. There should just be mm-hmm. like a like a tourism mode where you can just like explore how pretty it is and not have to play Thank you. the story. <laughs> Thank you. I've had this thought so many times, especially once I got to Abby's section, which I feel is like just a little bit more because of where Abby goes in the story is a lot more like interesting environment wise because you have like the big Seattle stadium that we talked about. You have yeah. the the island that we're going to in this section. You have like a lot of cool areas. I was just going, man, I'd I'd love to just be in this area for a little bit and not really, like, have to worry about stumbling upon a bunch of seraphites or something and having to do a lot of murder. Um, But, yeah, it's it's been interesting to, to go back through it. It's funny you bring that up that, like, we've had so many guests tell us that they don't really want to replay this game, but, like, talking about it and podcasting about it and just, like, having a little bit of distance from it makes it a different experience and not as intensive to replay it so that's funny yeah that i think thing. maybe i'll just watch more of it <laughs> like in my free time um this this part that we'll be talking about today would have been would have been right after the hospital and the bridge and all that stuff is that right mm-hmm. yeah 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 i remember i hated so, that freaking boss fight oh my god the rat king oh, we had to explain what a rat king was on last episode uh, <laughs> it was great that was just the worst and then i was watching a, a let's play of it just now and i was like it's still the worst why is it so dark like the person <laughs> i was watching like managed to not need to craft anything and i was like maybe that's the secret like oh oh yeah if you weren't having to stop and, and yeah, craft well no hey way. there's 
There's a lot of stop and craft danger in this episode today, <laughs> as Ken saw me stumble upon when I played this section. But uh, before we get into that, Riley, uh, how would the folks at home know you? you already kind of mentioned this a little bit, but also how did you get into The Last of Us? Yeah, um, I reviewed it for Kotaku. Um, I had played the first one with a friend. It's I, I read about this in my review, like... She and I had played it at a friend's house because, like, neither of us had consoles, but we had friends who had consoles, mm-hmm. and, like, we had, like, the mm-hmm. best time playing it, and it was so meaningful. And so when this one came around, um, I got assigned to it. I think also because it was queer, queer and I was the queer person, <laughs> I probably got it for that, too, <laughs> um, which is cool. Um, and it was exciting to me, like, oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, so I played it a lot late at night all the time in the middle of the pandemic um mm. which is a you know a, a unique and challenging experience um mm. so yeah the last of us um i did not like no. it <laughs> i don't think <laughs> I, I, uh, I, it does a lot of what it wants to do very well like i, I think i didn't like mm. it but i don't know that i think it's a bad game but right. i think the things it's trying to say i think are ultimately kind of stupid and terrible <laughs> <laughs> neil Druckmann's gonna like come through the computer and, and fight me but i think like you know it's just everything sucks and it's just violence mm. and i think like i'd written in my review I, th- I think that it just shows a lot of violence and goes look at all the things i'm saying about violence and it's like you're not saying anything mm. you're just doing a lot of violence like great job I, it's interesting that you say that because like i was i as we're recording just last night i finished playing through my playthrough for the show and this is like my third time i think through the game because i played it for review as well which like like you said was a very um singular experience yeah. of like a time to be playing that game and, an ex- and a way to be playing that game and just a whole lot that was going along, on along around that but honestly like my takeaway and like we'll talk more obviously more about this next week but i find the game i i and i think like the game really lends itself to like multiple interpretations about like what it all means in the mm-hmm. end but i found the game like very hopeful in a way in the end and in a way that like it's not necessarily um mm-hmm. I don't know that's not necessarily a popular read, but it's just like maybe not one that we talk about as much because a lot of the, the conversation around the game does t- yeah. tend to be around the violence and what that means, what it says about that. Where I, I guess for me, like Last of Us has ne- not necessarily been. I, I, I don't necessarily think that the series has a lot to say about violence as sort of like this um, universal, uh, irredeemable concept because I think both games have. Like they, it's more so that they're using violence as a language to talk about other things. That's just always been my reading of it. So by the time I got to the end of this game, like I kind of like see it through a more hopeful lens. And but I also like I, I recognize, fully recognize why that might not be something that uh, resonates with some people in the same way. I like that a lot. I guess mm-hmm. I, I came away with feeling like the violence didn't talk about anything but itself. But I like that you think it think it does something else like i'm not rooting for the game to be bad or to fail like you know like (laughs) yeah yeah, i want people to like it if they like it you know obviously um so that's interesting i think that's one of the harder things about this game as as i've definitely felt when i got to the end of this section was i i hit this point where i was like oh well you I, i feel like this is talking towards this part and this is speaking towards this part and at this point you know where we're at with abby day three where we have kind of multiple different storylines going on. You know, we have 
uh, Abby's own internal struggles, uh, her relationship with the people of Seattle, like the wolves and also her growing relationship with um, Yara and Lev. And then we have her own kind of revenge story that doesn't really exist until the very end of this entire section, which is a weird thing that I do like really want to talk about at some point (laughs) during this day. But um, it is weird that like the Ellie stuff ends up being such a non-factor in Abby's story for a very, very long time until it finally like shows up and it has a moment where it's like, Oh, here's, Right, here's the plot of the game. Here's the the A plot of the game is here. Um and I can can I I know I know why you take on us that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the way it arrived was very goofy in a way. Um but uh and, and then on top of all that like you've you've got Ellie's stuff that she's working through, you know, all of her internal and external struggles and, you know, the the broader narrative of why they're in Seattle and all that. And then mixed in with all of that is you have like deeper themes of what is it trying to say about uh revenge, what is it trying to say about the ways that we hurt each other and the ways that we cope with things, what is it trying to say about um just, you know, expressing like care about someone in ways that can be good and bad. Like that was a lot of the feeling I had coming out of this section was like, we saw examples of moments where people caring for someone else taken to an extreme to like way too far of an extreme sometimes. And uh, it's, it feels like a game that is trying to do a lot more than the last of us part one did. Like for all of, for all of how good the last of us part one was, it was also an extremely focused game. I felt like they had one story in mind that they wanted to tell and they told it and there were some side diversions and stuff, but for the most part, like it was specifically a game about Joel and Ellie and, and their journey and here, like, especially now that we've expanded the scope and gone out to, to two different characters who each have their own like set of supporting characters and cast and problems it feels way more expansive and I do think that reflects a little bit in the themes just feeling a little bit muddier and in some cases that can lead to cool different interpretations but I think that also results in scenarios where some people are going to like gel with it and and be cool with it and others where people are not going to enjoy it as much so I mean do you think that like revenge is a relatable theme (laughs) Like maybe, maybe I'm just it, like a, I, I'm like a quiet religious nerd. So maybe I just never have <laughs> revenge feelings, but uh, I don't know. How, how I, often do you think people in their daily lives experience revenge? Oh, oh maybe I not, mean, like, maybe not in the I've form got, of like violence. Yeah, but I think, like, yeah, I got Twitter beefs. What are we talking like, about? Yeah. <laughs> and that's why, and that's why, and like this, again, we'll talk about this more. I, mean, I guess like at the end of this episode as well, just like, to me, The Last of Us Part 2 feels more about, like... Like, yes, it is it, it is framed through revenge, but it feels more about, like, letting go for your own sake and, like, finding peace and forgiveness. Like, those are, like... When, yeah. when you talk about the, the themes of The Last of Us Part 2, that's what my mind goes to. Um, mm-hmm. But it is very much, like, it, it is framed through the violence and the revenge story and kind of, like, you know, what when we search for catharsis and something and how that can drag everything else along with it and kind of you know, we, we lose sight of what's actually important and, yeah, that's a overarching thing. And, like, you know, you say, Eric, like, that it feels like things are kind of money, but I, 
again, like, this is me coming off, like, less than 12 hours, or, excuse me, like, 24 hours ago, um, having just finished this game again, and I feel like, in the same way that part one, like, very much felt like it had a very, like, point A to B story that was trying to, like, it basically was the sum of its parts versus, like, trying to dissect every little moment without the full context, and that has maybe come mm. up in more of, like, the, the episodes that we've been doing. Like, there have been some times where it's like, I, what does this say in the grand scheme of what it's talking about? Mm. And I do think, to some extent, and this was something that I even, like, in, in the midst of the review period, when no, not everybody knew what was going on in this game, and I had maybe finished it earlier than a lot of other people had, and, like, I was talking to people as they were going through it, and I was just kind of like, just just put a pin in a lot of these things, because, <laughs> like, it all kind of, mm. like, ties itself together by the end, I think. That was so hard, like, that week between the review embargo and people mm-hmm. being able to play it, because I think, I definitely at least, like, I said some very stringent things, but I couldn't say why I had said them, and no one else right. could mm-hmm. play it yet, and I remember being so stressed out and, like, watching the discourse and being like, mm-hmm. ah, I can't, like, uh, it's, they really shouldn't right, have yeah. embargoes be that far out. Like, I feel like it set up a lot yeah. of people to get hate, and, well, know. and the embargoes having certain restrictions yeah. on them as well about what you can and can't talk that about. So and like, <laughs> yeah, I get it, like, like, yeah. I, I mean, I, I get it to some extent, but like, and this is going to turn into like games, media beef section <laughs> yes. for a second. But like, I, I've always had this frustration of like, I think most games media don't want to spoil things for people. Like I know mm. when I write reviews, yeah. like I, will tend to go out of my way to avoid mentioning Like I did this with Scarlet Nexus recently where I was like, I'm going to go out of my way to not mention certain really cool moments that happen in that game because I want other people to experience them the same way. Or like same with Chicory where I, I did not review that, but I was playing it on stream recently. And I think I said at the end of my stream, I was like, I kind of wish that people didn't see that because I would want them to see it for themselves. Mm. Like I would want them to play that. This feels like a very intimate personal thing. And I think watching someone stream, it will not have the same effect or or like reading about it will not have the same effect. Um, And so I think there's a lot of people that don't want to spoil things when they talk about them because they want others to have that experience. But then they, there will be embargo restrictions on games where they will be like, this is, you explicitly cannot talk about this. And I'm like, well, mm. this is like a, yeah. it, it bears mentioning at least that this is like a pretty core part of what this game does. Yeah. The last of us was and, so and like, for that. I think especially because yeah. so much of what you couldn't talk about was so core to explaining it. And also cause so much of it right. had leaked. It was like, here, yeah. here am I notably not saying something that you could already maybe know, you know, exists um and i get why they did all that but but if you're a person who wants to go into these things so fresh and so spoiler free i don't understand why you're then also like reading yeah just don't read the review like if you're that (laughs) determined to play like you've decided that you're going to play a day one and have a spoiler free experience but you don't have like the self-control to not click and read like 1600 words about a video <laughs> game that i cannot help you <laughs> like mm-hmm. this is sounds like a you problem <laughs> this does not sound like a me problem um i always had to like yeah. edit a lot of things i'm sort of like i kind of just don't care about spoilers and i've just been like it's the nature of my job so i always had to edit right. and like people would often not want to edit things because they'd be like oh but there's spoilers and i'm like i don't care like <laughs> none of this yeah. matters to me yeah, I, I hit that point, um, especially when I was at USG. I kind of just became the person who was like, whatever, I will edit something. And someone would be like, do you care about spoilers? Can you edit this? I was like, no, I do not care. Just yeah. <laughs> it made me feel spoilers good about have... myself because <laughs> I could be a hero. Yeah. But yeah. 
whatever. Uh, outside of a few situations, I can't think of times when spoilers have like actively ruined my enjoyment of a thing. Yeah. Um, and usually I'm the one who inflicts spoilers on myself in the worst way. Like I will, I did this recently with a game I was reviewing where I looked up because I was writing a thing. I was like, I couldn't remember how to spell a character's name. So I like <laughs> went to online and it was a game that's not like super available right now. So I had to like go to a wiki and stuff and <laughs> I looked there and I was like, Oh, Oh, those are character details about a person that I didn't know. And now, okay, <laughs> that's going to happen later. All right, then uh, that's a bummer. <laughs> I did that with a red dead redemption too. I had managed to avoid finding out the ending for so long. And then I like, accidentally saw it in something that even signposted hugely that there would be spoilers <laughs> and i was just like flipping through some article by someone and i was like ah there it is <laughs> i walked myself right into that one yeah. <laughs> um but yeah let, let, let's talk about abby's third day was uh because we've we've got a lot to cover here especially uh in in the tail half of this section um it starts out pretty calm we you know, after last episode concluded, we had gotten the supplies and stuff necessary to uh, take care of Yara's arm. And uh, when we come to Abby, uh, wakes up and hears Yara and Liv arguing. Uh, can't really super make out what it's about, but you know they're they're arguing about something. And uh, Mel comes to talk to us. Uh, and we discuss, you know, how's Yara doing? You know, what's the fighting going on? Lev wants to uh, stay in Seattle. Uh, Owen had invited Yara and Lev to go with Owen and Mel to Santa Barbara. Uh, and Mel, that's when she tells us that she is going to Santa Barbara, but only not if Abby comes with. Uh, and this is where Mel kind of drops the mic on Abby <laughs> and is like, I know what you've been up to. Like, I don't, you, you, this, this whole thing with the kids is an act. Uh, you know, he may be falling for it. I'm not. Um, and, and basically Mel starts to frame this as like, Oh, you're just treating Yara and Lev nice because you want to like win over Owen and stuff like that. And, Oh, it's, mm, and, and, and like, she, she really goes off on Abby, like just says, you're a piece of shit you want to do right by these kids get out of their lives and she takes off and boy, this was a moment where I was like, wow, every single one of these characters is going to suck by the end. Of <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to say that Owen is glowing for me by the end of his time in this game. I still think Owen is, you know, all the things we have said about Owen so Owen's far. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, this this kind of made me go like at this point I think Mel was one of the last you know members of the wolves who I was like was having some sympathy for and stuff like that mm -hmm. and then Mel just kind of and, and to be fair Mel's not entirely in the wrong here either <laughs> but mm -hmm. but maybe just mistargeting a bit where it's like okay yeah Abby is in the wrong and is like creating problems with Owen and Mel's relationship but uh, not through Yara and mm -hmm. <laughs> um. So I don't, I don't know. This is also like the last bit of real Mel characterization we get before obviously um, the the Ellie events catch up with the Abby timeline. But mm. this is kind of the last time we really get to see and talk with Mel is this section. Mm. So I don't know. Let, yeah. let's, let's put a pin in that maybe until we get to that part where we had the last conversation with them. Well, I, I do think there's like something to be said about the fact that like 
we have learned through all of this, Abby is doing what she's doing for Yara and Lev because she basically just is feeling guilty for what she did to Joel. And that this is her trying to, like, you know, put some good into the universe because she feels like she has done something uh, not good. And so it is, like, I understand why Mel comes in and she thinks this is all an act for Owen. Like, she's not really, Abby hasn't really vocalized any sort of regret or, you know, whatever she feels about what she did to Joel to anybody, like, out loud, really. Um, not, not even to Owen, which is, like, I guess, like, the one person that she would say anything of that nature to, and she just hasn't. So all of this is happening, and Abby has not done anything to kind of communicate her inner turmoil right now to anybody else. So Mel just sees what she does, what she can see, which is Abby has suddenly gone from, like, one of the most renowned wolves that is killing the most scars while she's out on her patrols to suddenly giving shit about them, and, like, she doesn't see, like, the through line there, um, because Abby's mm. not, Abby's not showing it to anybody, so, yeah, I just, I've, I've felt for this moment, because, like, Abby, like, doesn't even get the chance to, like, vocalize what she's been, what she is feeling, and, and honestly, it doesn't really matter, because Mel has, like, you know, some ground to stand on, because I, I don't think it's ever really outwardly said whether or not she knows about what happened the other night, but, um, she seems to at least grasp that something's going on between, uh, Owen and Abby, and she, that's why she's just like, I'm, I'm going to Santa Barbara, and I'm going to leave all this behind, but not if you're coming, because I, I know who you are, or I, or I know what I believe that you'd be, so. Yeah. Yeah, I did like I that, think... like, I, I like sort of Abby grappling with, like, whether or not she's a good person, and, like, can people mm-hmm. change, mm-hmm. and I, I find all that very, you know, moving and, and relatable. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think Honestly, like I, I've said it before and I'm just going to like repeat it here and, you know, cement it in the ground for my overall feel on this game. But I'm liking Abby's character a lot more <laughs> in this game mm-hmm. uh, because I think her journey of like, you know, she's obviously coping with the Joel stuff and all that. But there's also like an element to her story that we really get into in day three of who does she keep around her and why and, mm-hmm. and where does, you know, we talked a lot in, in the Seattle episode, uh, not Seattle, episode, well, day two, I think it was day two when we talked about this, uh, of like the concept of home and where mm-hmm. different characters find home. And I think that's really like, she's having moments here, you know, with different people that she's kind of been able to rely on as a support group for a long time. And all of a sudden, all of them are falling around her, you know, they're distrusting her, they're uh, they're liking her, but for reasons that aren't like healthy and good for everyone around them or, you know, in, in a way that can make someone feel used mm. um, or, you know, they're just straight up betraying her <laughs> and we see her entire like support system crumble in the span of three days. And I think it really is making her question, you know, what she calls home and, mm. and where she finds her support group and all that. And I find that to be really interesting because like the last of us has always kind of pointed to different situations, like in Bill's town in the first game where it's like, you know, it's important to have people around, you know, when, when all is, is going to shit, you know, this is what happens to people when they reject others. And it's important to hang on to the ones that you care about. And I think Abby is going through a lot of that journey of like, what is, she care about you know what is she willing to fight and die for in the same way that that joel did in the first game like her journey honestly kind of mirrors joel's in a lot of ways Mm. and so i i find that to be really interesting when ellie who ends up kind of going on a similar journey um 
ultimately ends up falling into pitfalls that the other two did not. And I think that's, that could lead to an interesting place thematically that like one character is not finding the answer that the other two are finding in their Mm -hmm. journeys, but that more to expand on later on that. (laughs) So, uh, but we, we learned that, that Lev has run off uh, and, and Yara asks us to, uh, to go help find him. Uh, we get cute little moments here. You know, the stuff that Last of Us has gotten real good at at this point of playing fetch with Alice the dog. and Stuff with the and dog is so about... fucked up. I forgot until I, I was rewatching it, <laughs> like how they both play with the dog. And, and I think, you know, it's supposed to mean something and we're supposed to, you know, it's, it's thematic and we're supposed to learn something. Uh-huh. But like watching it this time and thinking about it, I'm like, this is crazy right like these dogs rip these people apart and now it's like no look the dogs are okay and i'm like this is very upsetting Um, oh we we had a big to do about this on abby day one and and the thing i came to was like what what really sucks about it is that like yeah the dogs can i i think we had a discussion about this like yeah you know it can be seen as like, oh, here's a cute dog that you're going to have to murder. Are you already murdered? <laughs> but there's there's also like an element of it um, that like it kind of shows how the wolves are not all cool and awesome. Because like this is a really cute dog that a bunch of people have trained to be a killer yeah. <laughs> and stuff. And like that's what I kept thinking about, especially with like uh, this, the segment in day one where you're playing fetch in the yard there. I was like, cool, yeah, this dog's adorable, but also it's living in a cage where a bunch of these dogs have been trained to go murder people that look like seraphites. And they you have that whole section in day two where you know, they're yelling and stuff, and uh, the dog is literally like trained to attack Yara and Lev, and they have to like hold Alice back yeah. to not attack them. And that whole time I'm just like, yeah, man, people fucking suck. Yes. <laughs> like, these these are nice dogs. Why do you do that to a perfectly good dog? <laughs> I was very moved by it when I played the game, but like watching it again, it's like, yeah, ugh. now you're playing with the dog, and it's like, ugh. yeah, it, it felt a little it's, grosser it's like a... Than, than I remembered it being. <laughs> uh, we also we also get some background on Yara and Lev, uh, and and kind of like what happened there, which is. Honest, I I <laughs> I have opinions. I yeah yeah. I was I wasn't gonna toss it off immediately and <laughs> just be like, look, I am I am the least valid person to have any opinion about these scenes. But <laughs> I was I was sitting there watching and I was like, I feel like they could be handling this a little bit better. <laughs> like that's mm. like I it's so often a trope of like you know person comes out to family family has not great reaction uh and you know things transpire and that is obviously like the name of the game in day three is what happens when that doesn't go so good (laughs) but uh yeah this this section it it felt a little bit different than what we had in day two with that like nice little moment Mm -hmm. of abby being like uh, you, you know, love being like, hey, do you want to ask me about that? And and Abby being like, do you want me to ask you about it? No, cool. Then I won't ask you about it. <laughs> like it's, it was two very different things. Where now all of a sudden, like we're getting a lot of this history in a way that didn't feel as great. But I don't, I don't know. This this is where I hand things off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I know like a lot of people didn't like the the 
dead naming part. I, I'm mm. putting finger quotes around dead naming, which is like a, a word I don't personally like just for my own, like, mm. I have no like grand political reason why I don't like it. Um, <laughs> I just like, I, I, I don't like it personally. Um, which I think like is, I felt as, as a trans man, um, <laughs> I felt it was handled pretty well here. I think, you know, I was reading some things people had written about this scene and the idea that like, Yara is sharing these things about Lev that, like, we don't know that Lev has given his consent to share. Right. And I think that there's yeah. that. But I also, like, I kind of appreciated that, like, the cis people were doing it. Like, it, it would be such a shame, like, if, if Lev had to go through all this. So part of me is like, yeah, this is, like, you know, cis people hashing it out among themselves. Like, mm. I kind of <laughs> appreciate that. Um I think, Kenneth, I was just rereading your article about the queer stuff in this game, um, mm -hmm. which I think really nails it in that, like, you know, th there's no way to just be like, it's good or it's bad, I think. And, right. and I wrote about the trans stuff in this game, too. And I remember it took me forever. And, and ultimately, I, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> like, right. like I, don't, I don't know that there's any utility in being like, this scene is good or this scene is bad. Um, right. And... I don't. Uh, I don't know. It's cool to see mm -hmm. a trans guy in a video game. Um, it is weird that it's the only one, but that's kind of always true. Um, mm. I, I think. What do I think? I mean, I think like Yara talking about struggling with it and stuff is like that's real and also like right. fair. You know, like I don't think that like mm -hmm. you know her saying like that she told Lev to hide it or whatever. Like, I don't think that's necessarily bad. Um, mm. Something I was reading that was talking about how, like, uh, you know, doesn't it suck that, like, it was an article on Paste where, like, in the future, look, everybody still hates trans people. Um, and I get that. But I also think, like, mm. yeah, probably they do. I mean, mm. I think we can see, like, even now in, even now in society, um, you know, despite how much, you know, better things have gotten in some ways, um, you know, with all the stuff happening with trans youth and everything, like we've just found new ways to hate trans people. And I'm sure that mm -hmm. in the horrible zombie apocalypse future, we'll just think of other new creative ways to do that. So yeah. I'm not like horrified by that vision per se, but. That was the part that mm -hmm. I was kind of waiting for the pin to drop on because they, you know, they mentioned that, that Yara, you know, Yara was like, you got to hide it and you, you got to, you know, not, not let people know that this is how you feel. And like, like that is, that is kind of a bummer. And, and I feel like it, it doesn't really like, it also doesn't really address like how Yara herself like came, like that was maybe like the missing part that I was looking for was like, where did Yara like accept it versus like publicly versus like privately and all that. Yeah. But also like there, the obvious like overarching thing is like, Oh, this is a religious cult. That's probably why they didn't like mm. it, but well, it was never really, like, I, I feel like this is the part where I was like, okay, you could have done some level of world building about this religious cult, you know, maybe throw in some like really old Testament -y sounding yeah, shit you never <laughs> to really be like, find out why to be they, like, this is the cult hates it. And I think I, I wrote about this too. Like I like that Lev is so religious and that he doesn't just give up his faith because He's mm -hmm. trans, um, and I really, like, appreciated that and sort of the exegesis he does on, like, you know, their theology mm -hmm. and stuff. 
and, and I appreciate all that. But yeah, you didn't really find out how Yara sort of processed through it. I guess I always read it as like, well, now that everybody wants to kill them, now she's down. Literally murderous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is like a little bit, yeah. a little bit shitty. <laughs> Um, yeah. like, so I, I will say that, like, <laughs> Ken, I think you're about to follow this up that like, yes, there is an explanation for, or there might be an unspoken explanation for why this was a larger problem more so than, than just like, you know, the act itself, but like what it meant for, I mean, we can just go ahead and say, cause I think this is later while Yara and Abby are, are talking as they're walking around looking for, for Lev that Lev was promised to an elder in the village or something. Mm. It was basically like um, betrothed and that would have obviously caused some problems, <laughs> but um, that's uh, it's, I, I feel like the, the thing with this, this conversation that it eventually does get better as they start to walk around and just talk a little bit more. Is that like this initial cutscene that we have just kind of, felt very I, I don't know like, like it was very much like hey let's let's take you side we got to talk about something real quick or whatever and it didn't feel as natural as the other parts of this game have felt uh, I feel like the walk and talk sections worked better than this like little cutscene did mm-hmm. but I, well I feel like I mean just based on things that I've seen you do as you play this game Eric I feel like it was probably good that they did that because if it was something you could just walk by and not necessarily <laughs> engage have, with. If it was exposition I could have blown up. Yeah. <laughs> <Is that>? um, <laughs> so I, I'm of a few minds like because part one thing that I appreciate about it because like I do generally when I engage in like queer characters existing and things like if there's like sort of a way to kind of show how those identities and struggles manifest in like different cultures that are like distinctly not ours. Mm-hmm. So like Mm. When it is like the, the you know, for the the thing that Lev does that you know um, is him expressing his, his identity is he shaves his head and that is like an explicitly male thing in the Seraphi culture which, but it's like t- to the point where like Abby doesn't even necessarily understand the significance of that until it's told to her later, and so like I just I think like that from that side I I like that kind of sort of way that they find a way to make it like a, almost like a world building thing as well just like explaining yeah. the way that this culture views gender and what what it meant for Lev to do what he did. But um I, I, I do agree that like, there is that sort of uh that that like the, I think yeah, I think it was on pace or something that what they uh, wrote about how like there is like a little bit of like a voyeuristic element when you, you, these things are being told to us by someone who is not Lev after again like in a day before we kind of uh had that very good moment where Abby like respected a boundary and was just like, okay, cool, we don't want to talk about it, we don't have to. Um yeah. so like it is like I, I feel like the, the scene is, like, well-meaning. I genuinely, I don't think that there was, like, malice in the way they did it, but I do think it was, like, a little misguided, and I feel like maybe, you know, just some more consulting or whatever they had, whatever they were doing. Because, like, I mean, I'm sure that there were, there were people within Naughty Dog that had opinions on this, and some of this kind of um, probably came from them. But um, I think this is yeah, so I, much the problem mm-hmm. of, of queer representation in media or mm-hmm. probably lots of representation is... is is that you know i just said like i don't think we have to decide if it's good or bad and then we're sitting here being like is it good or is it bad and and (laughs) like the solution to that is is, you know i think more of it um i've sort of because i've been trans for 20 years um and so i've sort of given up on like Mm. whether or not things made by cis people are going to do a good job i'm just gonna like i don't don't need you i don't care anymore (laughs) um and like you know but i'm i'm very old um i I often (laughs) like feel a lot of complex feelings about watching like younger 
queer and trans people try to suss out like the representation in games where I just want to be like it's never gonna be for you like stop trying which is like <laughs> sad and horrible and I don't really mean it that way but um yeah like yeah I no no like <laughs> I, I I totally get you because like my and I, I hinted at this like a couple of this back like I do think just for me personally like speaking personally about how I guess, like, discourse around this game kind of, like, shifted my thinking in terms of, like, my, my understanding of queer spaces. Because I think there was, like, some, frankly, insidious shit that came out of, like, talking about this game. Where, like, it came down to, like, legitimizing people's, like, identities. Their, the things that they're allowed to enjoy. Or, like, yeah. their, their, pre- mm. their presentations. Their lifestyles. In ways that I think, like, again, that just, like, kind of fundamentally changed, like, what I thought of what, what queer spaces were. And it's kind of weird that that is, like, something that I attached to this game in a way that I don't think I'm really ever going to be able to separate. Just because, like, I don't know, like, it, it's, like I, like, I don't think, I don't necessarily think that some people think about, like, the collateral damage of how they talk about these things in terms of, like, you know, somebody that's on the sidelines not really engaging in the conversation, but maybe, like, say they, they do relate to this game in some way. Or they relate to, like, some piece of queer media and you're out here framing your criticisms in ways that are like about the, le- the legitimacy of these characters mm. and their and like what they do and the people that take something uh, useful from it and um yeah so that's kind of like my yeah you, maybe you're probably younger than me and so maybe you can speak to this better um but i, I think about this i think we've been saying that like this week on twitter with all this talk about like isabel fall um, and that whole trans attack helicopter story. Mm. I don't know. Check mm, Twitter. Yeah. Unless, unless you want to explain it, but whatever. <laughs> Look at Twitter. Um, why well, I, I think there is often in the the discourse about queer media this idea of, of whether or not it's okay to like something or this sort of moralizing right. about how a thing is done. And, and I vacillate between being like, oh my God, like what's up with the youth? And then me being like, no, this is Twitter. Like I have no idea what the youth think. I'm just looking at Twitter <laughs> where everything is ridiculous. Um, right. But yeah, that is like hard. Like, yeah, it, it does become like a, and I, I think especially f- for me being like an older trans person, like the, the representation mm. we had when I was young, you know, now like some of it I look at and I'm like, oh man, I, pr- I bet this probably is really bad. Right. Um, yeah. and, and it's and it's great that we have better things, but it's also like, at what point are you are you not allowed to enjoy something or right. take something from something? Are you then bad? And then I think that turns so quickly into things li- like the conversation around the like dead naming in this game, where it's like, mm. is is it? are you somehow morally deficient if you weren't angry about right. it or something, you know? Yeah. And, and that is like, that is kind of like the angle that some people a- approach yeah. any conversations about representation. And that was why I ended up writing that thing that I did. It was like, yeah, which I thought was great. Cause, like, yeah. Thank you. Um, cause like <laughs> I, I, it was me and like several other people that were reviewing this game were talking about it in any way. Like if you were a queer person who was not nuking this game from orbit, like I saw like, you know, on, on the grounds of like it being some moral high ground, like, friendships fall apart just because it is like something that some people hold in such like such a way that they aren't you know they, they attach like you know the morality of like you or the allyship i don't know like just a, a lot of mm-hmm. loaded shit that people will attach to specific pieces of media and honestly like you know that's i don't think that's fair to a lot of people because like we all have very different experiences of the, the things that resonated with us as we were growing up as we do now yeah. um and yeah so it's, it's like a huge fucking shame because like i i 
like I maybe not with Lev, but for, like Ellie's um, stuff in this game, like re- like really resonates with me. And like I really relate to it a lot. As a person that like lives in a shitty American small town, where a lot of the stuff that she's gone through and a lot of the uncertainties and awkwardness that she's gone through, like speak spoke very true to my experience. And yeah, yeah. Video game. <laughs> I mean, I think it's good. In, in some way, it's definitely it's progress, right? We have enough things right. that we can pick and choose which things do it well and which yeah. things do it badly, which is really exciting. Um, but then, I don't know what the end goal sort of is. <laughs> See, I'm gonna sound like an idiot. I don't know what the end goal is of deciding <laughs> what kinds of representation, which I think might be a, a doomed endeavor in the first place. Right. Um, like, are good or bad? Where does it? Where does that? get you ultimately besides yeah. just like you know d- deciding you know deciding who's okay and who's not and who's doing right. queerness or transness correctly and like what is the point of of being that way besides just like you know leaving people out um right but again yeah. i think so much of that is mm-hmm. also I, I when i say like people think that i'm still talking about the internet and so i feel like i spent right. a lot of time i recently was like should i go meet some like trans young people like should i find out what people really think do i know any young people in person <laughs> and like maybe this is just all like twitter and i have no idea what is really happening in the actual world um yeah yeah i um one of the smartest things that an editor has ever said to me was back when i was working at compete and was it uh, was it me it wasn't me. It's <laughs> it was not you, you Riley. I'm sorry. <laughs> you were very wise editor, but this was not you. It was actually uh, the one, the only Tim Marchman, oh, yeah. uh, who, who was like kind of my like dead spin mentor for a lot of early compete and all that. And, and one of the earliest things he said to me was like, just because a story might be like popping up a lot on a certain forum or something like that does not always mean that it's like indicative of a wider cultural shift and this is in regards to like oh this thing on reddit you know like a lot of reddit people are saying this and he was like yeah but is anyone else talking about it or is this just like a 1000 upvote thing on reddit that has like 90 comments and he's like you gotta understand that that's like a thousand mildly engaged people and 90 (laughs) fairly engaged people that is not indicative of the wider culture of this game that has like you know 14 million players Mm. and it's it's always worth like I, I I think that's always worth you know as we were just talking about with you know, looking at social media and different stuff that's always worth taking into account. Um, but I also really like what you said, Riley, of like more can help too, and it is cool that we have like speaking for me as someone who would not get many other chances to understand and talk about these kinds of experiences with wonderful people such as yourselves <laughs> who can speak to my extremely uneducated self about all this um, to even begin to grasp with it in the first place. Yeah, um, I think that I can be a little bit closed off to remembering that there are lots of people out there who probably like don't know anything about trans people or probably trans men mm-hmm. even specifically. And like, I don't want to get into some whole, think about this all the time where I'm like, you see other trans guys talking about like trans male invisibility and i'm always like that's ridiculous and then i'm like is it ridiculous i don't know Ah." um which is a whole (laughs) a whole tangent that will go back to the early 2000s um so like there is a way that probably people are are learning about trans men for the first time by seeing this game and then like that is good but then does that mean like what is that what kind of pressure does that put on this scene and on this character and like is that the point like i don't think this is a game Mm -hmm. that wants to educate anyone about anything um 
and I think, like I wrote in my review, like I appreciate that the game is so diverse, even if like, and I even appreciate that it doesn't make a big stink about the diversity, you know, like, but then like, it, if you're talking to this huge audience, then do you have some kind of responsibility as, as the people who made the mm -hmm. game to do it differently? And like, mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, um, but also all those people obviously have the internet so they can just Google, you know, trans things and maybe you don't have to do that but mm. so it's yeah it's hard like i don't know it puts a lot of pressure on this character as evidenced by the fact mm -hmm. that we spend like half an hour talking about him and like <laughs> if, if there were just a lot yeah. of them you know you wouldn't have to you wouldn't have to do that i think so much i think it does at least speak to the fact that like especially at this point and by the end of day three honestly like lev is another one of my favorite characters in this game yeah. slash series at this point like lev is such a rad character and ends up being such an interesting addition both in the ways that like lev kind of takes that ellie place that 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 joel had for for ellie like abby has lev mm. and but also lev is notably different in several ways too <laughs> and um has some really great moments. So we, we should probably move <laughs> ahead with the timeline at this point so we can get to those good moments. Um, so it, anyways, yeah, we, we go through that whole uh, part where Yara kind of, you know, says everything that has been intimated up to this point and gives us background on, on also some like how the Seraphites work, which I thought in general was also interesting mm -hmm. to this idea that they, have like predetermined roles that they all get sorted into um, like soldiers and, and uh, wives and stuff like that. And that only the, only the male Seraphites shave their heads. Um, and, and there was like, again, like I think this game does some cool stuff and kind of building up who the Seraphites are and their, you know, just what their general existence is and how it's changed over time and stuff. That's, continues to be a really cool part of the deeper lore here <laughs> I'm, I'm always into religions and games so i wish that like you know i i, I oh. wish they had been a little bit cooler than than just like oh evil cult and you learn like a little yeah. bit about it but I, I don't know that you learn like a ton and i wish that it would have been nice to have like explored their stuff a little more i guess you all already talked about like the scene with the bridge but i, I like i really liked that part and yeah. sort of you know the oh, religiosity so of that part and stuff mm-hmm the the part where Lev does the whole speech about like fear is yeah, how like, you know that you are like operating at a higher level and stuff. Yeah, and, it's really oh. cool. Mm. Yeah. Lev's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um Lev do a TED talk. <laughs> and he's like useful in the game too, which is cool. Like, I think Abby uh -huh. is both taking care of him, but he can also like hold his own and in that mm. way I think that's a really good, you know, like he he isn't just this like poor beleaguered you know trans kid that you know his family hates he's mm -hmm. also like a badass and can do mm -hmm. his own thing and i think that that's cool cool both as a as a trans character and also probably as like a, a youth like i think you you see a lot of you know kids in games and they're just the thing that you you know protect and it's cool that he right. can also mm -hmm. like you know it's, it's cool that he can kill people, but that sounds hella, hella <laughs> fucked up. Within within the verbs available to you in this video game, it's cool that he is good at those verbs, <laughs> which mm -hmm. happen to be murdering things. He he's also good at doing side things like you know engaging in in small talk and stuff yeah. like that. The other the other verbs available. Got <laughs> some parkour like, at one point. Yeah, that's true. Do, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So 
we we eventually find a little plushy shark that we're going to give to Lev and you're trying to make it there is this part of the game I was feeling like there's not really a sense of urgency and in my head I'm like this is the part where Lev's probably going to try and make a run for it right and (laughs) I was thinking in my head this whole time like boy we are really just taking our time and finding Lev aren't we like we're playing fetch with the dog and we're having a quick you know session to talk about stuff and we're looking for a plush shark and all that I'm like there's could be a little bit more of a sense of urgency (laughs) Um, because, you know, Lev kind of ran off in a state that would cause him to likely do something rash. And Hey, what would you know? After (laughs) we find the plush shark and Owen comes in and talks to us, he's like, Oh yeah, by the way, Lev went down that hall. Uh, You come to to Santa Barbara and all that. And we have a little talk with him where Abby's basically like, no, I'm not going to Santa Barbara. And you know why? Like this, this stuff is, a mess and, and Owen's still trying to be like, but we can be happy together. Let's just all be happy. I'm Owen and everything <laughs> can just work out for me because I'm Owen. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Like Owen is like straight up the Mr. Peanut butter of this like mm. video game <laughs> where, where I, I've, I was thinking a lot. I don't know why I've been thinking so much about Mr. Peanut Butter lately, but uh, and I haven't even like watched all of Bojack. I've watched I've it watched, like, like thirty times during the pandemic. I was just watching it again. Impressive. Like I was watching it again yesterday, and then I was like, "Oh my god, stop!" Like you're actually sometimes I just turn it on because it's noise, but then I'll sit there and watch it, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" Like, dude, you have to stop. I feel like the pandemic has ruined me for like if I don't know what happens in a piece of media, it freaks me out too bad. So I'm like, okay, I know everything that happens here. So I'm just going to keep watching the same things over and over. Riley, have you watched Ted Lasso yet? Yeah, I have. I like that a lot. Okay, okay, good. I was going to say, that's a show that just I immediately thought of and was like, Riley needs to watch this show. Riley would enjoy this show. They'll be be bad soon, so that'll be good. Perfect. Perfect. Um, but yeah, like like in the same way that Mr. Peanut Butter from Bojack is like this person who, you know, everything will turn out great as it always does from my perspective. But like also this person who through well intentions and, and good. And I was thinking about Ted Lasso as well because I saw someone compare Ted Lasso to Mr. Peanut Butter. And I was like, those are not the same characters. <laughs> wow, because cool. T- Ted Lasso like grapples with things that go wrong and and does that but like mr peanut butter is the kind of person who's like oh i'm super well-meaning and i want everyone to be happy so surely that doesn't mean that i'm causing problems for anyone else and no owen you are causing problems for everyone around you because you are trying to force them into your happiness (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah so that's that's my little segue about how owen sucks I'm not saying that anyone deserves to die in this game. I'm just saying that I'm sadder about some deaths than I am about others. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Um, But yeah, after, after we get through that whole uh, scene, we, we hear Yara yelling and Lev is taking off on a boat towards the Seraphite Island. Uh, <laughs> good job, Owen. <laughs> Thanks for, for keeping an eye on one of the only two boats we have. Um, and, and the sailboat that we're going to take to Santa Barbara is going to take a few more hours, uh, to put together. And so Abby and Yara decide to set off and go find their own boat to go chasing after Lev, uh, because they believe that Lev is, is running off to the Island, uh, to go try and save their mother, which as, uh, we we learned from Yara earlier, like they they have kind of a system in the Seraphites where parents can be responsible for the sins of the children and all that. Um, so 
this is this is where Owen once again is like, oh, don't worry, I'll go with you. I got this. You know, can't let Abby go alone. How can we do that? And Mel's <laughs> like, no, you need to stay here and fix the fucking boat. <laughs> and he's like, no, come on, come on, I'll be there and back. Don't worry about it. And Abby's just like, no, get your fucking priorities straight. Which, You're staying here and fixing this boat, which, which is I like, appreciate. Like to her credit, like she's not like she, as much as she wants to, she's not giving into Owen's bullshit. And mm-hmm. yeah. It's just like when when it is a do or die moment. She's like, "No, get your priorities straight. The, the mother of your child is right here. Stay there." So. Yeah, this this is a three day story of Abby getting fed up with Owen's bullshit, <laughs> <laughs> which is it's great that we get these flashbacks of them being so like you know doe eyed and romantic and stuff like that. You yeah. know, on the Ferris wheel and all that, and then we just see by the end how. Owen's personality just completely fucks it all up. Mm. <laughs> um, really interesting. Well, I mean, this is also like when you think about it, that story in a microcosm in a vacuum, it's weird to think of it existing in the larger context of The Last of Us. Like we talked about like Ellie and Dina and how that's like really sweet. And it's this nice little love story in the middle of all this like zombie murder chaos. And it's weird that we also have this like, honestly what is a vaguely riverdale sort of thing going on here where it's like <laughs> you know oh i'm i'm in love with you but i she, she is having my child and all this i just want to be happy and it's happening in the middle of uh there's a giant war about to go down on an island and we need to go to that island so i i enjoy that the last of us part two does have magnitudes does have multitudes with it <laughs> <laughs> Um, we set off for the harbor to go get a boat. Um, and I will say that this section here where Yara is, you know, obviously kind of struggling to do some things. Uh, and you know, you have Abby kind of like gently encouraging her. There's a part that I didn't know if it was scripted or not, where Yara goes up a ladder first and Mm. you as Abby have to kind of follow behind. And I noticed that even like, no matter how hard I pressed the, the control stick or whatever it's like move faster or slower like abby in game abby was always kind of like taking her time and and just kind of you know giving yara some space to to work forward and adjust to the way that she is now mm-hmm. uh while also you know like giving her independence and also like being there and you know in case she needs a little bit of help or something um she does recover Again, like, awfully quickly from a major surgery, which I guess like the the alternative would be weird. Like you, then you you wouldn't want to have a whole chapter of the game where like she just kind of deals with it. But right. she's really up and about awful fast. Yeah, but it also it does also become a thing of like when we get to a certain point, we have to kind of like flatly tell her like you need to stay back. You cannot. Yeah. You yeah. are not the soldier you once were. Yeah, yeah. When we get to this part here where we actually get to the harbor and there's like we hear gunfire and stuff near where the boats are and, and Yara's like, Let's go, come on and you have to be like, No, Yara, like you you are staying. You cannot do this right now. You need to like think of yourself and, and not just for yourself, but for Lev and, and stuff too. So like it's it's a I, I think it works very well and it's more of like the last of us doing what I think it's it, it honestly does best, which is that sort of in in game storytelling like not doing it through cutscenes or you know i think the cutscenes in this game are great but um i find that most of the really effective parts in this game like 
you know, the sky bridge and all that have been told through gameplay mm-hmm. and through you being in the scene and seeing it happen and not necessarily like it being shot and framed a certain way. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a cool little bit. It's, I like this. I like this part very much. Um, we, we do hear some, some gunfighting and such. And so we, we head on ahead and we run into Manny. Manny is here. Surprise. Hey. He's, he's helping secure the boats for, for Isaac's raid, but a sniper showed up, started shooting at us. Boy, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? A sniper. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we, we get another section that, as Ken notes here, is, is very similar to uh, the part in Pittsburgh where you had to avoid a sniper, which I was not great at this section. I'm just going to straight up yeah. say it. <laughs> not the game either. Yeah. In, in the future, uh, if I ever find myself in sniper fire, I'm going to be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm um, bad at all games where either someone else has a sniper rifle or I have to have a sniper rifle. Right. Which I'm just, yeah, like, rifle, just, general I'm just terrible at it. Yeah, I, I forget to yeah. like look around and I get all focused and I just... Mm. Awful Riley, I, I've we have not asked you yet. Are, are you more of a stealth player? Or are you more of a of a action player um, in this game? Super stealth. I generally love, love that. stealth games. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think this is such a funny game because you can't really stealth forever. Like you, you could get right. you, you can't like perfect stealth. I don't. And it's such a. I think the gameplay is so funny because it it kind of sits in the middle of those two things. Like it's never, mm-hmm. it's never just an action game and it's never just a stealth game. Right. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I, I usually try to play it with like picking off as many things as I can before, you know, something goes wrong and then you have to fight right. something, which is like why I hated that stupid zombie boss battle so much. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, I'm not prepared <laughs> for this at all. Like, uh, why? Like it, it felt mm-hmm. like it because it had to be so actiony. I feel like it sort of betrayed the, the flexibility of of how the game wants you to, to oh. play it you know it's like deus ex where like yeah. when, oh god human revolution would be like hey guess what you're doing a boss ah. battle now and there's no way around it and they ended up like patching that out yeah, later but like there was a it's one of my favorite games and i remember getting to those parts and being like oh my god and there was like they must have fixed it by now but back in the day there was like a bug in each of them so like the first one if you waited long enough i'd heard he could blow himself up with his own grenade so like i tried yes. that and i eventually yeah. like didn't work and then the second one if you hit her with your like electricity gun at like just the right moment she would get stuck and then you could kill her and mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe i'm just giving like spoilers um and then the third one if you punched him when he was jumping over a very specific wall you could kill him but it had to be in like exactly the right place um and i just did that i like looked up <laughs> all these like cheeses <laughs> and just did them um because that was such I mean, bullshit i thought about playing that there, game there again were... now that i have all this free time but i'm not sure if it holds up i'm worried that it oh i've i've heard it does not yeah, hold up very well <laughs> which is why i have not gone back and played it because i i liked human revolution i did not like mankind yeah, divided same. um and oddly enough i feel like the narrative has changed on that where people are liking human revolution less and liking mankind divided more, which I think is weird, but you know, whatever, Uh, each their own. But I remember when human revolution came out, there were videos of people who had been playing stealthy up to that point. And they were just like picking up turrets and yeah, like, what are you going to do the boss rooms and stuff? (laughs) They're like, what else are we going to do? So yeah, like last of us part two had some of those moments as well, where it's like, Oh, you've got to do combat now. And so, like, like Ken will attest, I 
I like the combat in this game. I like the action. I, I think it's it poses an interesting challenge because it does not feel built for that, if that makes sense. You know, it's not like a Scarlet Nexus or a Devil May Cry where it's like, this is a game about combat. Like, every time I try and do kind of a, not even guns blazing, but just kind of like a running and scrambling and frantically shooting and stuff, it makes this game feel very interesting in the moment and very, like, razor wire edge like oh you know i only have so much health and and you know i've got to get through this stuff and um i've i've now turned the game down to light just so i can not spend because that's the way i like to play this game and if you know i want to get through these sections in a (laughs) reasonable amount of time but still play the the way i want to play i think that's fine i've got to kind of do that people have strong feelings about difficulties but like a while ago, maybe a couple of years ago now, I would played Titanfall 2 for the first time, which I had just never played. And I put it on, like, super easy, and I played it in, like, a day, and it was wonderful. Like, I don't have to worry about anything. I'm just shooting the guys, enjoying the mm-hmm. story. And I was like, all games should be this. Like, this is <laughs> this is great. And in those cases, like, in Titanfall 2, I'd say, like, the joy of that is not necessarily how difficult combat is. It's how, like free it feels and how like you have so many different movement options and weapons that you can use that all feel very different and that's kind of how the last of us part two feels to me as well as like you have so many different things that you can be doing at all different points like you could be kind of playing a cover shooter almost or you could be like sneaking through tall grass which i did in the section when we got to the the island i tried to like full stealth like not even kill anyone yeah like i had the same straight up ghost i feel like that's and i guess remember we're skipping ahead but i remember having a lot of stress in that scene in the island because like i very much didn't want to kill anyone it felt like very i know like the game tries to do this whole thing where it makes you feel bad about killing people and oh they're friends and they're dogs and and mostly i was i was just like very bored by that like i I feel like Mm. despite my rampant love for like spec ops the line i feel like games that like are like how dare you kill all these enemies you monster i'm just like oh my god leave me alone like they're not real it's what you do in the game like that's never made me have a a qualm but i think in that scene like it felt it felt really fucked up to to kill them all and i really tried to stealth it um, and then yeah. I think I got caught and I just gave up and killed them. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, am I having a moment? Yeah. Am I having the moment the game wants me to have here? Oh, my God. Um, um, but I was not having that moment because the game's stupid. Um, no. So let's, let's not get too far <laughs> ahead of ourselves. <laughs> so we do this all the time on the podcast. <laughs> um, uh, so as, as we finally get past the sniper and they start doing some cool stuff. Like the sniper starts shooting uh, like cars and stuff to set them off for infected to come at you, which I thought was a really cool thing and like a cool reflection of, Hey, like people in this world understand that this could be a thing that you can do to like fuck with other people and like try to kill them in the way that you, the player have already discovered in, in Ellie's side is a way to do things. Um, And we get through this whole section like we go through a parking garage and a big chase the the chase was really fun even though like there was some mild frustration like i am shooting bullets directly at this person and like they are a hundred percent landing but this person is not supposed to die yeah. in this section of the story so he's they are not you know like dying yet that was a little bit i i don't like it when games do that i 
if you're going to give me the option to shoot somebody, you should let me shoot that person. I hate when, like, you realize it's not going to work, and it's like, oh, this is just what we're doing. Okay. Like, and especially in this game where you have so few bullets, it's like... Yeah, but the game clearly kind of wants you to be doing that at the same time. Yeah. Like, it's it's having those moments where the sniper is, like, running and then pauses to turn around to shoot at you and stuff. And you can tell, like, it kind of wants you to, like, have a bit of a gunfight here and not just, like, chase. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I hate that stuff. It, <laughs> We, we get to we get to a whole area where we're about to open up a door to get through to where the sniper is and uh this this person like doubles has has doubled back around kind of and shoots Manny in the head bam that's it <laughs> like Manny gets the most unceremonious death in this game um and well actually maybe the second most unceremonious death next to Jesse, but, um, and you know, Abby has a moment of kind of shock and stuff where she's like covered in Manny's blood and stuff. And then we have another moment where we got like kind of sneak up on this, this sniper and attack him and stuff. And then all of a sudden, once we reach outside, uh, we start tussling with him. We realize it's Tommy. Uh, Oh my God. Tommy's here. And I think, Abby even has like a moment of realization Mm -hmm. and stuff. And as Tommy is like pinning him to the railing is trying to like kill Abby. Yara shows up and, and gives him a nice little stab basically. And and they toss him over the railing into the water. Um, And Yara's like, you know, who is, who was that? And and Abby's like, it doesn't matter. And, but it's like really obvious that Abby's like, Oh shit, I recognized who that was. She, She did not say that she didn't know who it was. Right, right. She just says it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, oh boy. <laughs> mm. so, so now we we head off to the the Seraphite Island that we have heard about, heard much about up to this point, but have never actually uh, seen, been to. Um, and hey, it's it's the Space Needle and all that. Yeah. Um, so we're, we start taking some back paths through the island to try and get to where Yara and Lev's hut is, where their family hut is. Um, But as we're going, we start to hear alarms go off and the wolves are, uh, are invading. So now we are trying to sneak onto an Island while there is an active invasion of it that we had been hearing about all throughout Abby's side of the campaign. Um, And there's some cool parts in this, like parts where, Seraphites will start running by and Yara will be like, hit the deck, like get down and, and you can kind of like just lay low and mm. let them run by. And I think there's, that was something that last of us part one did as well in Pittsburgh and all that. And I like it when games do that. Cause you feel super cool when you do that. You're like, mm. yeah, I just stayed super stealthy and they just walked right on by. They didn't know yeah. anything. Huh? <laughs> mm. I was tempted to blow them up, but it, that's the thing with Ab- Abby doesn't have explosive arrows. So, you know, it doesn't feel, feel right to do it in this, this side of the game. So I'm just so much more stealthy and stuff. Cause I don't have those explosive arrows. It's not. So that's not weird th- considering Abby's the character that's not designed for stealth that much. Mm. I know, as but Ellie. well, yeah, but like, I, I don't know. Abby's designed for like just very straightforward combat. Like I am shooting you to death combat. Whereas Ellie is, is a trickster. You know, mm-hmm. Ellie's got like some rogue stuff going on. She's got Molotovs and explosive arrows and shit. Like there's just some like taped together shit that I really 
enjoy. I like that stuff where it's like, this is completely yep. improvised and makes no sense, but we're just going to roll with it and see what happens. Mm. <laughs> Results in the fun hijinks. Um, so we, we keep moving forward and, you know, we get a little bit more talking with, with Yara as we go. And now we're kind of bond- bonding with Yara as much as, you know, we were bonding with love and stuff and getting to know her. And we, we, as we keep going, the destruction keeps getting worse. Um, you know, we see a shot of Haven as smoke is starting to rise up from it. We see kids being carted off and, uh, to shelters and stuff like that. Um, we, we have the section where we're heading towards the space needle, uh, which is apparently in the direction of Levin Yara's home. And that's, that's the part where I was like almost full ghosting it, where you're going through like the fields and yeah. stuff and they've got the torches. Oh, that was really cool. That was a cool section. I really wanted to uh, stealth that. It, it felt, it felt like morally yep. right. Um, in a game that I, I feel like I didn't feel the morality it wanted me to feel. But like, like I said, as soon as I messed it up, I just, but just yeah. killed them all and I gave up. I don't know if I would have done something different if I hadn't been on a deadline. Probably I would have reloaded a bunch if like yeah. I'd had more time. But well, I've always I've felt that way about this game that I like that it doesn't do the dishonored thing yeah. of killing gives you bad ending. Because as much as as much as I like that about dishonored, and I think that's a cool system for what dishonored is doing. I think if Last of Us had done it, it would have sent a very different message about this yeah, game. I think you know, it would, it would have been leaning it a little bit more into like that, that narrative of like, Oh, killing bad. But the fact that it's more just like you're trying to do what you need to do and you're going to get it done the way you get it done. And like, we're not going to have a tally over here of how many little sisters you like yeah. ate for bio, bio shock <laughs> points. I forgot how that system works. <laughs> <Bio-shock points. laughs> yeah. You get the Bioshock points. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to have that tally over here. You know, in very few, th- there are a few times that the game does it where it's like, Oh, this, this enemy is named is going to get like a very specific death cut scene and stuff like that. You have like the Alice scene and all that. But, um, Otherwise, like, yeah, if you fuck up the stealth, like, yeah. the worst part was I felt awkward for killing all these Seraphites in front of Yara, being like, yeah, oh, right? like yeah. hope you didn't know them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, I, I like that. that. For them that they, like, they are on the run, and everyone is, like, ready to kill them. Well, yeah, but still weird if that's, like, Yara's like, oh, look, it's my friend from grade school, and then Abby's, like, loading incendiary shells yeah. into her for, shotgun. Like, no, <laughs> I, think, I think there's even a point where, like, Yara... And maybe not, I'm not actually think Levis still uh, kind of not feeling great about all of it, but I think there was a point where Yara was basically like, we can't help them, we have to go. This is us or them. And hmm. so. Yeah, I mean, I think The Last of Us, you know, like the, the ending of the first one, I think is so, is so good in that way that it, it does what it's going to do, you know, regardless of what you, the player, wanted to do. And, and I do appreciate that mm. in this one, even though even though I don't like this one. Like, I, I I do appreciate that it's like, here's here's what the game, here's the story of the game. These characters are mm. going to do this thing. There isn't, there isn't some, you know, pacifist way you could have made it not right. yeah. be what right. it is. Yeah. And like, I respect that, you know. Mm. It's, it's, I, Ken and I have talked a lot about it on here, but like, you know, these are, it's weird for us to cover these games after we have covered Mass Effect and Dragon Age for so long, like (laughs) games that are like literal role playing games where you are playing a role and making choices. And here, like you don't make choices. Like you are playing out 
a stage play essentially yeah. and you're seeing this story and so mm-hmm. it's 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 weird because we you know there there is a, a different level of engagement that you have to come at that with that this is not like a character that you're being given options and then having to choose through that lens like no you're just playing the story <laughs> and that does you know that does mean that there are situations that you're going to be put in that you might not agree with but these characters like i i feel for the most part do justify what they are doing in some way yeah um, except owen who just <laughs> mr peanut butter <laughs> um so we finally get to the house levin yara's house uh and we find uh, a woman looking super dead and uh, Lev in the corner uh, having a not good time. And as as you could surmise, uh, Lev tells Yara that, like, you know, tried to talk to her, but she just yelled at me and chased me. And there are, like, cuts all over Lev's arm that are, like, likely from a knife or something. And um, Lev just kind of kept trying to, to push her off of him and eventually shoved uh, the mom and she hit a table and now she is the way that she is. And Yara, like, again, we, we talked earlier about how Yara did not have the best reaction to things (laughs) as, as she relates to us. But I did appreciate that Yara here is immediately like, Hey, look, you were defending yourself. Like Mm -hmm. this is, this is what happened. Like this is Yara so quickly goes into like, older sibling mode and, and like, Hey, it's, it's okay. We, you know, like do not feel guilty about this. Like this was not your choice. What happened? Like she forced your hands and, um, yeah, I feel, I feel like it's a nice little moment. I think it's also nice that Abby is kind of not present for most of it. Like Abby's just kind of there and letting it happen between the siblings. Cause it's a family thing between them. And, you know, things have, clearly transpired but all abby really does is just be like you okay and and lev's like yeah and we're like cool good mm-hmm. <laughs> it's another like little kindness from abby i think that like she is a character that that understands like when to be super involved in someone's life and when to like let other people handle their own shit mm. i liked this part less i think than i liked some of the other contentious trans parts i mean i think that we mm. We don't learn mm-hmm. a ton about Levin Yar's mom and and this sort of like oh yeah she's just transphobic and then somehow he, he kills her you know in mm-hmm. the course of you know like my God he killed his mom like it, it all felt a little bit I don't I don't quite want to say cliche because that's not exactly a cliche but um it it felt a little shallow to me and a little bit like I I, I was I don't want to say like a, not necessarily offensive, but just like, yeah, here's this um, in, in terms of like trans representation. So I wasn't super fond of of this mm. turn of events um, right. necessarily. I mean, I, I don't know it how does. transphobic his parents are, his mom is that she would, I mean, clearly she's very, uh, maybe it's the connection between her being very, very devout and her attacking him and then him, you know, he he kills her, which is very distressing um i imagine to him and yeah yeah i i think my my feeling because like even up to this point like lev believed so heavily that um there there was still that sense of home here for him and that he's so devout that like he still believes like in 
at least like you know his, his mother's not necessarily all the terrified because like he has spoken outwardly about how a lot of people are kind of like misconstruing the teachings of these yeah, of this which uh, religion yeah. and mm. stuff like that and so like he still believes that there might have been something for him here and so i think like abby's also going to get a similar uh, experience and situation where she's going to realize that there's nothing left in the, for her within the wolves mm. and so i think this is like that this is like the one of the one-two punch of these two characters realizing that like the homes they thought they had found are maybe not what they thought, so they, maybe they yeah. can find home elsewhere and with other people. But I guess this so. is like an instance where, which is something that I take umbrage with in the game, where it just does it through brutality, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just like, here's this horrible, violent thing, and, and here's how I'm going to tell you something about home, is, is just by murdering yeah. a bunch of people and, and making a trans kid kill his mom. You know, and it's like, okay, mm. alright. Um, so... Yeah, I, I like the sibling part of this a lot. Like, I thought the the interaction between the siblings was really good. But like the, I I do definitely feel like, you know, the the mom at this point has not been a character. It, like, this yeah. is the only time we see the mom is as a body, mm. <laughs> and um, like, and, and really, I I feel like in this moment, the mom is just a stand-in for all of right. Lev's old life and Lev's old way of thinking. And as, as things are going to transpire, like, you know, you know that Abby has a moment where all that goes away. And obviously Lev has a double punch of right. Lev's old life going away, uh, coming up pretty soon here. And it's, it, it is really just like that moment of, you know, they're letting go of their past. And so, yeah, like, it is both the literal and figurative death of this this person, you know, no longer mm-hmm. being a factor and all I mean, that. I but. appreciate that we don't see it. I think it would it would have a very different effect if we somehow, mm-hmm. you know, saw Lev kill his mom. But right. yeah, but again, like, but what it, why? I mean, this is I don't know. Wait, this is the issue I take with the game. Is like it 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 tells you these relatable emotional things with just a you know a, a literal hammer to your arm mm. you know it's just like here it is <laughs> ah. and I, I don't find that very nuanced or relatable or I don't, I don't want to say I find it like stupid I guess I wrote that in my review where I, I think the game you know what is it like to lose your home because you're trans oh you killed your mom is like i I think the game (laughs) thinks i'm a little bit stupid like maybe it thinks i've never also you know lost connections with my family you know so it's Mm. just like here's how you do it through horrifying violence it's like all right Mm -hmm. um so yeah i I didn't i didn't like this part i guess Mm. But I am yeah, glad that yeah. we don't see it, and I'm glad that we don't know the mom. And, and I think, like, a lot of the violence in the game, and, like, you saw even, you know, before with, with Manny, like, people die very suddenly, and everyone just kind of has to move on. And I do, I do like that, sort of. Like, I guess that feels very real, where it's, like, people don't die these dramatic theatrical deaths, like in movies, where, you know, you hold mm. them in your arms while they have their last words. Like, I said, oh, that guy's mm. dead now. So I was like, yeah, your mom's dead now. Anyway. Yeah. I... Yeah, I, I, I guess we could have brought that up with. Uh, I was thinking about it with Jesse again at the end here too. That like you know which characters are killed in like super long protracted segments, and which characters like are are suddenly just 
yeah, killed right. off. Obviously, some and people died dramatically. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. and and I'm I'm still kind of like going back and forth on because we always we had the the episode uh, where we talked about Nora and all that, and that still is like just hanging over a lot of how I think about the deaths in these games, and and especially in in part two. Um, and there there are more segments like that in this in this one, like at the very end where a quote unquote death segment is happening, and and you're like. QTEing as part of it and all that. Um, I mean, is there and... something that's occurred to me while you were talking? And I'm just going to interrupt you with my half-formed thought. Um, no, it's it's, it's cool. Yeah. The theme of parental death is obviously a big theme in this game. And is mm. it what does it yeah. mean that like the trans character also gets in on that, but in this very different way? And we <laughs> never, yeah, like we never really see him struggle <laughs> with it. Like <laughs> the cis people get to, you know, they spend the whole game grappling with with you know parental death in, in various ways and then this and, I, and you know he's a side character and, and we don't have to he doesn't have to have the whole emotional arc that you know abby and ellie do but like it just kind of happens and it's you know fingo quotes his fault and then we just kind of move on like it, it it sort of now that i say it aloud the game kind of does a disservice to his trauma in that way that it doesn't do to the cis characters that said i know there was a rumor a bullshit rumor that Abby was trans, which I think was not true, but I've always decided that it's true because I like it. Um, and I'm just like, <laughs> she's trans to me. Cause I'm just like, that's cool. So, um, mm. so I feel weird being like, yeah. this is people blah. Cause I don't know in my head canon, I think she's trans. Um, Cause I think that's cool. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's interesting. And, and we don't get much time for, for like, you know, dealing with, with trauma here either because things are getting yeah. worse and worse on the island <laughs> and things are being lit on fire and we're like, we've probably got to get out of here. I find um, this part so funny. You, you know in the movie Titanic <laughs> where there's the whole chase scene and a guy is trying to shoot them while the boat's sinking? I've always found that yeah. really hilarious because I'm like, the boat is sinking? Like, you could just wait, dude. Um, <laughs> and I sort of felt that way about this part too where like... <laughs> Big shoot 'em outs when like the world is collapsing I always feel really stupid to me because I'm like th- everything is on fire. We don't have to do this whole gun yeah. battle, I mean, you know. If you want to get like big brain philosophy about all this, like this could be a microcosm of what The Last of Us Part Two has been up to this point, which is we're dealing with all this interpersonal bullshit. Mm. While there's also still a massive zombie pandemic <laughs> happening, <laughs> and like there, and I think that even speaks to a later. You know, I mean, we've already seen the scene where where Ellie is like, "Hey, you know, I'm the reason there isn't a cure and all that." And Abby's like, "You think this is about that shit? No, you <laughs> killed my friends. Yeah. Like that's what I'm here about." And um, it, it does again like point to like what do people really care about and for a lot of both the wolves and the seraphites apparently they are just totally willing to fight and die for some facade of having you know died a glorious death for their for their faction or whatever and um yeah man that it sucks for a lot of people as we yeah. as we start to see as we go through this burning island and see all these people just brutally killing each other as things are being lit on fire and stuff and you're like man isn't this about surviving <laughs> the the horrible yeah. zombie pandemic but hmm, yeah it's a bad time um we we start dealing with a bunch of wolves cuz now the wolves are here and start starting to try and uh 
mess around with us. Um, and then Yara gets shot in an area. Uh, once we stumble upon a big wolf squad, Yara gets shot. Uh, and as Lev is trying to like get Yara up and get Yara out of there, uh, more of the squad closes in and Isaac shows up. And so we get, uh, Abby gets Lev behind her and, um, Abby kind of like puts her gun down and is like, Hey, like hear us out. Listen to us. These, these people saved, saved my life, saved Abby's life. And Isaac is just like, nah, move out of the way. Like <laughs> has his gun out, gun drawn, like aimed at us. Like we'll deal with you later, but you move out of the way. I'm going to shoot that Seraphite. And Abby stands her ground and is like no nothing's happening like i'm not moving you're not gonna shoot me are you gonna shoot me you won't and the countdown keeps going and all of a sudden bang yara's back and has shot isaac and then oh my god yara gets the most horrible death in the last of us um yeah like i was seeing that part where they all like then the entire like squad of people all shoot Yara I was like oh that sucks that ooh, ow um bad um but we we quickly like get out of there and and make a bunch of quick barricades and stuff and I mean it's it's kind of in- interesting to me that in a lot of ways all, the, all these you know Lev's mom dies and Yara dies and these are all sort of consequences of him being trans right and it's it's weird like it's i, I kind of appreciated with the game that we don't see a lot of like lev grappling with his gender feels like i think the game not you know it, it's a lot of the game is a lot of the people around that interaction are like cis people you know dealing mm-hmm. with it but then they all do meet sort of horrible fates and, and he's sort of left to carry what i imagine is this responsibility of like you know his 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 transness has now killed his entire family um which is a a narrative choice that that the game makes um but then again like that happens to like everyone in the game like everything everybody wants kills everybody so i I don't think that it's it's not unique you know but um Mm -hmm. it's it's a lot when i when i look at it through that lens Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this is like a, a series about death. <laughs> and, you know, for a lot of reason, it's, you know, it's it's also just like what you said, what people want. And in this situation, like Lev wanted acceptance from the structure that had built him up and, and raised him and, and made him who he is partially. Like that's that's part of his life is living with the Seraphites and then wanting to still hold on to that and find acceptance in it has now resulted in, like you said, like the death of his family, like everyone. And do we ever find out? So does there's, there's a mom, is there a father in the picture for, for Lev and Yara? Do, uh, did they ever think, touch on I don't that? Think they I don't ever think he's ever mentioned. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. I was, I was curious about that. Cause I was like, Oh yeah. Cause we were talking about the mom. I was like, Oh, is there yeah, not like other so. parental figures in this or, um, but yeah, again, this, this is a game that is, I, I think, especially in this last part, like there's just a lot of death. Yeah, like there's a lot, a lot of people dying, like, especially yeah. in day three, because we, mm-hmm. I mean, the body count, it, you know, if we are there, there's a character who quote unquote dies twice in the course <laughs> of day three and not spoilers or anything, but is maybe not wholly dead. <laughs> 
So some people die and don't get to die. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's there's there's a lot of of death happening in in this section. Um, and and we have like a quick moment after we've barricaded and stuff where Lev is is like you know looking at the blood and all that kind of stuff and and trying to deal with everything and um is is like obviously mad at Abby too because Lev is kind of still in that space I think of faction thinking and like group think and being like those were your people and stuff. And then Abby like immediately turns it around. It's like, you're my people. And this is kind of like the culmination of Abby's, you know, arc at this point of, Mm. okay, Isaac tried to murder me and, and was clearly going to be okay with murdering me. And Owen is Mr. Peanut butter and Mel hates me and Manny's dead. Like what matters to me at this point? Mm. And, and at this point, Abby like just kind of, it, it clicks and she's like, you are my people. You are with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, whatever else, like, I, I think internally at this point, like even if she wasn't going to go to Santa Barbara, like obviously she was going to leave Seattle mm-hmm. and the wolves yep. in, in some capacity yeah. at, at this point. Um, and that was kind of the moment that this, this all happens here. Yeah. I just, and I think it, it, it worked for me because like I, I, this was, you know, like I said, the one, two punch of like, both Lev and Abby realizing that like the wolves and the Seraphites weren't the homes that they needed. And cause those relationships mm-hmm. were like on like the terms of like Isaac and the Seraphites, like the second, the second they stepped out of line, then it, they were disposable to them. And so I kind of like that this whole last section is like these two factions fighting each other and Abby and Lev like realizing like, and in their clarity, just like booking it through it and trying to get out and being like, this is, these are not our people. We are, we are going to escape this together. And, find our place elsewhere in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, I think to me, it's, it's still, it's still so like violent and over the top that it never felt very moving to me. But um, mm. in, in the way that I think again, like the end of the last of us one felt grapples sort of with the same question of who your people are and, and, and plays out very right. differently. And, mm-hmm. and I think much in, in a smaller, more, emotionally resonant way um to me but i I like you both sort of seeing that that i Mm. i I like your positive readings of of this (laughs) (laughs) i find that very motivating Um, yeah because it does all the whole background fight does which are you know these things that levin abby both cared about so much does seem really stupid i guess like you know like the gunfight on the titanic was just like oh my god what is everybody doing right now Mm. Um, and there is, there is something sort of cool and, and character development-y about, about that. Yeah. I, I think there's also just like a level of this is Abby still, I, I, throughout the course of her three days, I feel like she's grappling with like, you know, what she did with, you know, in Jackson and with Joel and all that and seeing like how much death and destruction is happening around them and how many people are losing people they care about and stuff like that. I think there is an element kind of similar to what Joel had though. Joel's was a little bit more aggressive (laughs) in the way that he discovered this, but it's like, you know, a lot of the times, a lot of these people are like, what are you willing to kill other people for? And here it's like, they're, what are you willing to protect? And, And what are you going to say? Like, this is what I stand for above everything else. And this is, this is who I'm with. And it's not because 
I'm just fighting in an army or whatever. Uh, it's not because I love living in my sick football stadium box apartment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's like, you know, it's what really matters to me. Uh, it's funny. I always forget that they're just days. What a busy several days everybody has. I know, right? It, the game feels so long because it's so slow and it, I think something that, that I really like about The Last of Us is, is how long it takes to get everywhere and and yeah. everything feels so big and hard to traverse. But then it's like, yeah, it's it's just been like a day and it's like, my God. <laughs> what a busy it's a long day. Weekend. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a holiday weekend yeah. for them. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, like I, I had that moment in between the like kind of prologue or whatever you want to call it, Ellie's day one where they're like, okay, we're setting off. And then they're like, okay, we're here in Seattle. And they talk about how long that trek was and how dangerous and which routes they should take and stuff. And at, I remember like thinking about it again here in day three, or, or I guess Ellie's day three, but when they're talking about going back to Seattle or back to Jackson and what routes they're going to take and stuff, I remember thinking like, oh yeah, I wonder if like, you know, if this was more like The Last of Us Part One, if we would have played those sections and if this would have been more like that and what this game looks like if it didn't do like I think there is it is interesting to look at what parts of the last of us part one they left behind and what they chose to focus on instead you know instead of having that long you know we could have had a long build up to eventually dealing with Abby at the very end whereas here like we just jump forward so we can have some additional time with Abby and seeing that side I think it's it, it shows the difference between these two games very much like it's a different kind of focus. Um, but yeah, we, we get this really, like, really, really cool, even by, I, I've talked with some people before where I've, I've had conversations about, like, what games are really impressive on the PS5, and I've not played Ratchet and Clank yet, to, to be perfectly <laughs> fair. I, I don't think I've played Returnal yet, either, I, but I um, I've PS5. seen... I've seen some gameplay of, of Returnal and I've not played like Ratchet and Clank, so I can't speak to that. But whenever like I've I've had people tell me like, oh, we just got a PS5 and we're playing stuff on it, you know, like, where are the good stuff? Last of Us Part Two looks really good on a PS5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially with the update. Like this whole yeah. section where you are like running through these fields and you're on horseback at one point and you're like shooting guys off of uh, horses and there's like fire everywhere and just mm. all the lighting that it's doing and stuff. Like I, I had moments where I was like, Oh right. This was a PS4 game. Yeah, like they that, got that system sounded like it was about to take off. Like <laughs> on, in a, a shuttle, <laughs> like, yeah, because like I, I I was playing it on a launch PS or PS4, so like I'd had it for like oh god seven years at that point, and yeah, just like one of its last uh, last things that ever did was, was playing this game for me, and um, it, it it held together pretty well, surprisingly yeah. enough, but it did feel like there were points where the game did feel somewhat held back, and I guess like in terms of like you know it was running thirty on the PS4, yeah. so like you know playing it on PS5 is just feels better just feels like it's kind of you know, oh. finally reached its peak i'm so glad you're on the 60 fps side now ken uh, it no, took so up. long to get you here it was uh, i'm so happy like mm. me me and someone else i won't implicate for the sake of their privacy um but both once admitted to each other that i, I don't really understand fps like if as long as it's mm. not stuttering I right. super don't care. I was going to say that I'll probably be kicked out of games journalism for this, but um, <laughs> given that I don't have a job right now, come at me, <laughs> podcast <Yeah>. listeners. Um, <clears throat> uh, 
I just don't care. I, I can't really yeah, tell. I generally was the same way for a long time, and I, I still think I am. Like, if I play, have to play something at 30, I don't really mind it, but it's generally been remasters or just, like, updates like this where, like, I, I played the game at 30, and then I'm seeing it differently, and I'm like, oh, that's when it starts to, like, really click in my head. It's like, oh, I am... It's not that 30 is, like, a, you know, a bad experience, but it is, like, an objectively worse one and yeah i also have like a, a pretty cheap monitor and i mm. wear and i wear glasses so i sometimes assume that like high def fancy updates are like just lost on me anyway <laughs> i'm like my eyes well, aren't good enough to care about those mm. that's that's my thing is like i got to the point where i was carrying and, and even now still like i only have 1080p monitors i haven't even gotten a 4k anything at this point yeah. and um I mean, like a 1440p for my for my computer or anything, and I'm just like, I would rather, like, 1080 is fine to me right yeah, now. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> and and but like having a really stable high frame rate just like makes, especially like action heavy games, just yeah smooth. Like it's just buttery smooth in a way that's like. I thought would have always been like, oh, you know, it's the graphics or whatever. Like, no, it's just like having frames look like they're naturally flowing into one another and like even indie games that are like fairly not as like realistic graphic intensive but are mm. just like smooth looking indie games that are at like a how did tim rogers the first time i met tim rogers was at a <laughs> demo when he was showing video ball and uh he he was on like a mic on a Casio keyboard, fake shout casting all the demos that were happening. <laughs> and this this was my introduction to Tim. <laughs> this was long before we ever worked together. <laughs> and he said something like 60 God fearing frames per second or something <laughs> like that. And that has just stuck with me every time I've seen like a game run super smooth. I'm like 60 God sling frames <laughs> per second. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, but it really does. Like when you see it, you just, it's it's good. It, it looks good. It moves good, and it means there's not like those hitches that make you suddenly like your brain suddenly goes, oh right, video game. Yeah. Like that's, I think that's the best part about it is you don't have those little moments that that make you go, oh right, this is a video game. I feel like um, if all this higher level tech could just come to me, I would want it. That's how I felt about like the PS5 and the Xbox X, mm -hmm. where like. You know, I I got permission to get one for work, but then it's like, okay, you have to find it, and I was like, nope, mm. like, <laughs> no, I have no time for this. I don't care. Like if if you know a four K monitor showed up at my house, I'd be like, oh sweet, but like mm. having to do literally right. any labor to get it, I, I <laughs> am immediately no longer interested. You don't like waiting in in sneaker queues and all that kind yeah. of stuff. I'm annoyed Xbox. that the that the PS5 is so hard to find because I have this PS4 that I bought from a friend and I, I blogged about this, but it started beeping and it won't stop beeping and I can't fix it <laughs> and it makes me insane and there's no cause to it and like the internet is full of fixes and none of the fixes have worked and I was like, okay, I'll just get a PS5 and I won't worry about it, but you can't get a PS5. So now I just like never turn it on and I'm like, well, this is a waste. It just sits here uselessly. But the minute I turn it on, it just goes crazy and it just beeps endlessly. <laughs> I think it's trying to eject itself, but there's nothing in it. It's some kind of built-in issue yeah. with the PS4. It, it makes I was going to say, that sounds like something's like touching the disc tray yeah, internally I, in a way. I cannot fix it. Mm. And it, yeah. it makes me 
crazy. Maybe there are cockroaches in it. Uh, are like PS4s notorious for like cockroaches? Yeah, stuff. I've heard this. Oh, God. Yeah. It's up off the ground for this very reason. But <laughs> yeah, it drives me bonkers. Uh, I don't know. I guess one day there'll be PS5s. I guess I could buy a new PS4. They're probably pretty cheap now, right? I don't even know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they are. Maybe that's what I'll um, just go buy a new PS4. They closed the GameStop well, near my house, so I can't go. And oh, no. I know. Damn. Well, we're going to need to buy Abby a new backpack because <laughs> she loses <laughs> it <laughs> in, in the middle of this whole section, which I got it. I was telling Ken, so again, I've, as I've been playing these games, I tend to stream them in my friend Discord, which Ken is also in. And uh, boy, the way I. F- I phrase that made Ken sound like he's not my friend. But <laughs> <laughs> All my friends. My Ken. friend Discord, which also includes <laughs> Kenneth. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I I remember remarking a few times. I was like, I feel naked without a backpack in this mm. game. Like it does not feel right to not have a backpack uh, in this game. Uh, but you know, we we do one last little fight with with a heavy, which I enjoy a lot. I, I think is really. It fun oh this is this is the fighting game player in me where i was like yeah yeah that's right i frame trapped this guy (laughs) wake up dragon punched him like cut through like the side of his face and like jaws hanging off yeah like one of the it's one of the weird because i i mean yes the last of us is violence but it doesn't always feel like mm, well how how to best phrase i mean it it usually feels like very just like matter of fact to me Mm. A lot of the times, and but this one was like the the closest, like most grounded way they could get to something like a God of War, like money shot that was like, yeah, a lot to me. Yeah, and and like at multiple times, it's like, oh, I won the fight. Nope, this dude's still going. <laughs> like I would have given up well before the jaw hit. Where like once Abby had made it clear that Abby was not going to get messed up by the hammer. Was, you know what? <laughs> cities islands burning i'm good like you you want me to help you get to the boat like i'll help you get to the boat let's go yeah i guess to me right the the big fights like there's so much going on and then i have to like do this big fight and it just it just felt like tedious and annoying Mm. to me and i'm just like oh come on like i'm so busy Mm. and maybe that's like part of reviewing if i weren't reviewing it but i'd be excited but i also tend to hate boss fight type things generally mm. so I, ju- I think i was just like Ugh, geez. but but abby gets to like abby's been working on those guns yeah like game. it does feel very abby beady. gets to flex those yeah. guns <laughs> <laughs> the whole the whole way that the cut scene where abby and and lev after this this point where you have murdered the hammer dude and find a rowboat and start rowing back to to the mainland uh, like Lev is sitting there very sad and shivering. Like Abby gives him the coat and all that is trying to comfort him as like the Island is burning and people are just dying in the <laughs> background. <laughs> like, like very world war one. Like they've, I'm surprised I didn't see any like bayonets on rifles or anything. <laughs> like I was like, this is just messed up, but uh, they're like rowing away. And Abby's got this like very tender, look on her face like very caring again older sibling sort of thing and i just kept saying like lev will it make you feel better just watching me row back to shore you want to watch my guns row us back to shore you look at my big strong arms row us back will that make you feel better lev? 
Um, mm-hmm. No, when when you get to punch stuff as Abby, I I appreciate that. Like we had the section with the Rat King where you have to deal with that one little uh, guy that breaks off ah. again, and and yeah, I I beat that thing to death with my fists, and it felt great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that part, the worst. <laughs> you think you're done with it, and there's one yeah, little surprise right at the end. So mad. <laughs> um. <laughs> So we, we get back to the aquarium where everything's totally cool. Um, <laughs> mm. Yeah, we, we go in through the back door and find Alice and the pipe. So we have clearly caught up to the events of Ellie Day 3. Um, and then we go into the, the big area and we find Mel and Owen, who are obviously, you know, dead. Very dead. <laughs> and... Uh, Abby is, you know, grieving and sobbing and, and heaves a little bit and um, is going through stuff. And Lev goes over and picks up a map. So remember when I remarked back during Ellie Day 3, like, hey, did she drop that map back there? <laughs> uh, yeah, she definitely dropped that map back there. The the biggest fumble of Last of Us Part 2. <laughs> uh Game game losing fumble right there. Um, so at this point, obviously, uh, Abby's pretty pissed and has probably pieced together some things because we then show up at the, outside the theater and uh, Abby is talking about what we're going to do to him. So Abby clearly believes that Tommy is still around and is the one who did all this stuff. Um. And Lev is coming with us. Lev is totally down for the vengeance murder train. Uh, <laughs> Lev is ride or die at this point. Uh, and and after we we you know get up through the ladder, uh, we find uh, Dina's radio set up, and we get like some audio, like ambient audio there of clearly implying that the the whole wlf raid has not gone well and everybody's just murdering each other and it was overall a catastrophe great idea isaac you know stellar leadership um we we go down to the ground floor and we find tommy tommy's uh getting that necklace out of the backpack uh you know kind of muttering to himself about jesse and all that and abby trains the gun on him is like get on the ground um and that's where we now catch up to the events of Ellie Day 3, where Jesse and Ellie come bursting through the door, and uh, Abby shoots Jesse immediately and and trains the gun on, on Tommy as, like, you know, tells Ellie to get out here and toss the gun and all that. And we have the, the conversation again where Ellie's like, look, you, I'm the one you want. I'm the reason there isn't a cure. Um which you I always go find and... so interesting. Like I, I like that so much ab- about the game. Like her whole struggle and and the idea. Like I think I said in my review that you know the, the zombie outbreak is this problem that everybody has, but like technically Ellie doesn't have it. Like she's immune. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think especially playing this game during the pandemic, I, I found that very like moving and interesting. And, and this part where she says that to me, I'm like, oh man, I had emotions mm. about it. um and abby abby clearly does not care abby's like no you killed my friends like you murdered all my friends (laughs) like what where did you think this was going and uh as 
we're, as we're about to shoot, Tommy bounces up and slams Abby. Lev gets him in the leg with the bow, and then we blast him right in the face. Um, and and Ellie grabs a gun and runs back into the theater. We tell Lev to hang back as we chase Ellie up into the theater and uh, behind the curtains. And then that whole section behind the stage that every time I walked by it, I was like, man, this looks like a combat section. <laughs> um, well, now it's a combat section. <laughs> and this is, I, so this is the section that I knew was coming. I actually didn't know which character you played in this. Um, I just knew that there was a part where the two intersect and you have to play as one or the other. I just knew that they fought at some point. Mm. And I mean, this is, other games have done this as well. Um, shout outs to Nier Automata for doing this. This is very, very well. Uh, but uh, I I thought that this was just gameplay wise, like really freaking cool because mm. f- by all accounts, like you, so you are Abby and you really don't have conventional weapons. Like you pretty much just have um, like, like you're, you need to, kind of melee grab and all that um and it's it's very similar as you note in your notes ken to the the david fight in part one um where you have to kind of improvise things and it challenges you in that way meanwhile uh ellie has all the equipment that ellie theoretically has Mm. um including a machete that ken made sure i picked up when i played (laughs) this game (laughs) Yeah, so that's an instant kill, uh, no matter what difficulty you're on. <laughs> uh, so that was exciting. Um, but this whole section, like, first up top, and then especially when you go down to the second level, uh, you know, after you literally slam her through the floor and you go down <laughs> to the basement level, and now Ellie starts crafting, like, she got me with one of those explosives. Like I straight up died because of one of those explosives. Cause I was like, what, what's she doing over there? And I tried sneaking around. I saw it sitting on the ground. I was like, the fuck? Oh my God. And it blew up and killed me. Like it's so, it's really cool. I, I like this. I, I like it when games do this where like transistor did the same thing where they're like, okay, now an enemy has the same abilities that you do. How are you going to yeah. deal mm-hmm. with that? Um, did and then also play, um, Echo was this indie game from a couple of years ago. Echo. Um, the, it, oh. The TLDR is, that, is it has yeah, like, like the, the really. It was made by like some. It's like the black and people. white, right? Yeah, and like the enemies yeah. can do the things that you do, um, and they like learn from what you do, and it's right yeah. amazing and terrifying and such a good game. And I think that studio shut down, which I was like really sad about. Where I was like, this game is amazing. Like I'm so excited to see what else they do. And mm. They did nothing because capitalism (laughs) (laughs) i think that that game does that so well no yeah ken how did you feel about this this whole section uh i think it is probably like the best gameplay moment in the game just because like it is illustrative like the the perspective shift and like how that is very much like i i think the actual like quote-unquote like meta layer to this game is that like it is putting you in positions like it, like it puts you in the perspective of the character whose perspective in that moment is most important and regardless of whether you feel good about it or not you're going to act out that play and that's like you know extrapolating on what the end of part one was where like joel was doing a thing you might not agree with but you are playing this character so you gotta either keep going or get off the ride because this is like so like painful and like 
kind of like drawn out like just like i think it just as much as it needs to be because like you are there's there are points where like we have ellie's like hands like or like, we, have, we have her throat in our hands and like you have to like mm-hmm. keep mashing square like the game is like and the game knows what it's doing it, it absolutely knows like you do not you well unless you're somebody that somehow like came into this series with like zero attachment to ellie um knows that this does not feel good but it's going to make you do it because you were playing as abby this is all about what she like where her head is at what she's thinking and um like i said it has all this sort of um interesting thing where like it's kind of throwing back our usual tactics and equipment at us in a way that is it's it's like it's interesting because like, we know what we know how she operates but it is still like it's, it's almost like it kind of uh, underlines the danger of ellie and like what she's capable of in a way that like cause, like when it suddenly turned back on us we have to be careful of things that we did not have to be careful about a majority of the game even because like the uh the general seraphites and wolves like they don't fight the way that ellie does and um yeah, I just think it, like, it really it is a really incredibly effective moment, and I think it is one of the things that it is kind of made better by it being a game versus a movie. Because like if we just saw like Ellie and Abby fighting each other like in in a cutscene, that would not be the same as us having to fight Ellie ourselves. And yeah, I just think it's like a really like if you were to encapsulate, I think the sort of tensions and friction that The Last of Us Part Two is constantly making you wrestle with throughout um, throughout the game. Like if you were trying to sum it up. Uh, as briefly as possible, I think you would do it with the scene, and I think that's why it's as effective as it is. I like that. I, I think... like that you like it. I, I I think so much of the game's darkness and violence and, and the things I didn't like about the game, it, to me, sort of gotten... Like, I, I didn't feel a ton of, like, emotional tension in this moment. I feel like I was mm. just like, oh, hey, more fighting. And I, I was watching Let's Plays of, of the game again before this, and I'd forgotten how like so much of how drawn out the fight is and, and you know, this mm-hmm. the stabbing and the grunting and the biting mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, it's so the game has such a good wet bite effect sound, that sound <laughs> effect that I'd forgotten about. Um but I, I think that I definitely didn't feel some kind of like deep emotional like tornness um when playing this and I think at that I think at that point it was really just because like the whole thing had been so gory and so violent and so dark that I was just like, yeah, but it's more of this, like, uh, um, which is, you know, I think part of what I didn't like about the game is like it, it did so much of what it did that I, I wasn't able to, it, it kind of exhausted me for having more of the emotional response. I think that it, that it wanted me to have. Mm. I, I think, but I like that you all had that. Like, I think that's great. Um, I don't want like this is gonna come out. It's gonna be like, oh, Riley wants you all to hate this game, which I which I super don't. Like, I love that. I love no. that you guys didn't have that. Mm. Well, and so I, I'm gonna say this is where I say like gameplay wise, I, I thought this was really cool. Like, and and this is also where a lot of like what I was saying about the muddying of the themes. This is also where that kind of comes in because I I think there's there's interesting stuff to look at here in terms of like, as I was playing this section, especially the parts where you are doing like the QTEs and stuff, I was thinking to myself, like you are literally tearing into other people right now. Like that is what this game is, is doing. You are like ripping and tearing at each other. And obviously like there's symbolic weight to that in the way that Abby and Ellie keep on hurting everyone around each other. But this is them finally like, coming to you know coming to blows with each other and and it did make me think about like man you know abby did kill joel 
but was like fairly merciful in being the one. And obviously Ellie did not know this at the time. Um, but like being the one who let Tommy and Ellie live, uh, and, and like letting them go. And, um, meanwhile, Ellie has come to Seattle and both she and Tommy have proceeded to murder like everyone (laughs) that Abby cares about. Um, you know, they, they take very much like a, a, you know, burn it all down approach to this stuff. Um, and, and obviously they were not the ones who murdered all of those characters. Like, um, like, like Layla is killed by Seraphites, I think. And, um, someone else dies in a way that is not related to them. But, um, I can't think of it all of a sudden, but, um, otherwise like Tommy and, and Ellie have been like murdering everything in Abby's life and just making it hell for the thing that, that she did not do by herself, but definitely was like the ringleader in and all that. Um, and are not showing like the same merciful approach. So I was having like thoughts like that. Like, you know, is, is Abby kind of justified to be really, really pissed at Ellie at this point? Um, is, and I, I think the, the thing I came to ultimately here is that like, it is interesting that it, it puts you in Abby's shoes when I think traditionally, uh, most games would have wanted you to be in Ellie's shoes because Ellie is like the, you know, theoretical, like carried over from last of us part one has been like the traditional protagonist. Whereas here, like you are playing as the person who was the antagonist for so much of the game and are, and are given good reason to want to, for that character to want to fight Ellie. And, and can you make a good point about like, this is what these characters would be doing. This is not like a choice that the player is making necessarily. Mm. Um, but I think every time a game does something like this, it, it just takes like examining why it does that. Like I was thinking again about near automata in this, where you have the section in that game where you can play as A2 or 9S and uh, they both kind of have their individual reasons for wanting to fight. And, um, you know, in, in A2's case, it's maybe a little bit more like stop being such a whiny dude. 9S <laughs> and, and 9S is a little bit more like, uh, a little bit more in Ellie's camp where it's like not wholly misguided, misguided anger, but definitely like a lot of anger that they're trying to express. Um, and so I, I don't know, like the, the thing I came to the scene with was I, I don't know like what commentary it's trying to make on this revenge stuff and well, you I know mean, what, what, like what it wants us to feel in this, like, cause it's, it's both a really cool gameplay segment, but like, does it want me to feel sorrowful that this is happening and that these characters are coming to this? Or does it want me to feel like, you know, there's, there's always justified revenge. There's always justified anger. And, who is well, like, the one who's going to be mature enough to to set it down first? And even then, like, I think that could have been interesting if Abby makes the choice to stop it herself. But instead, we have, like, the very end scene where we are, like, Dina comes in with a knife and is about to, like, try and stab and murder you. But Abby flips it around and, and holds the knife up to Dina's throat. And Ellie... Uh, is like she has nothing to do with this. She's pregnant, and and Abby like that. If if Abby had had that moment where she like puts the knife down and something, I I think that would have been pushing that theme a little bit more. But instead, she's like good, and then she's like about to cut her throat, and then Lev is like, no, wait, stop. And um, I don't think that's like I I I guess I take I take onus with that you saying that's not like Abby's decision because like she's so like 
I think by and large, Abby's arc in this game is kind of done in her third day, which is not necessarily the case for everybody else. Because, like, she looks at Lev, and that is, like, the reminder of everything that she has done in the past however many days to kind of, like, try and, like, find her make good in the universe. Because, like, she has been down I this guess. path. She yeah. has been down yeah. this, like, she's, like, she did kill Joel. And, like, it did not feel like it, it, she thought it was going to. Like, she has been on the other side of what she is about to commit again. Because, like, cause, I mean, even with Jesse and Tommy, those, uh, there's maybe, like, an argument to say that those two murders were self-defense. Uh, Quote-unquote murders were self-defense. But, like, Dina is the one where, like, she would have been very clearly, like, taking, like, a perverse, like, revenge-driven pleasure and, like, trying to take something out of Ellie's life for the sake of doing it. And so, when, but when she, when she looks at Lev, and, like, that's her reminder of, like, this is not gonna, like, what I think this is going to accomplish right now is not what it's going to be, and I'm going to feel the same way I did a few days ago that made me feel like I had to put, like, some good in the world. And here's, like, the, the face of that. Here's a person that I, I went to help because I was still feeling that sense of, like, I have taken something and I need to put something good back into the world. And so... Yeah, like, I mean, it, Lev is a person who says that, uh, says something that stops her, but, like, she does make that decision on her own. She, like, at any point between, like, her staring at Lev, she could have just still done it. But then she's like, no, I have... I am choosing to break this cycle that was started by my father however many years ago. And you know what, Ellie? Don't ever let me see you again. I'm done. I am leaving you here. I am... This is me removing myself from this. I I guess what I'm trying to get at is that, like you know, the intention of having two different player characters that are eventually going to come to blows with each other. Like what are, what message are they trying to get across with that? Cause it is like, whether they are like overtly trying to say something, there is still like an intention behind we have split this storyline and made two characters that are not only like going to be different player characters, but they're going to eventually come to blows with each other. And we're going to have the player play a part in that fight and be on a side and be potentially trying to murder another one of the characters and, and be the character that is not sort of like the, I don't want to say like the face of the series or anything, but like you, you are fighting the character that you have played more of in the last of us leading up to, like you were trying to kill them as the other character who killed people who were former protagonists of the series. And so I think like, I'm still trying to suss out just what exactly, like, what was the goal in doing that? You know, what and what were they trying to? S- yeah, well, yeah, and and not just in playing as Abby, but I in, mean, specifically in this moment. I mean, like, like yeah, yeah, even? yeah, and like, what you know, why why was it important for them to show that side of things as opposed to telling the story mostly from Ellie's side? or having it be interspersed throughout. Like we, we were talking while, while I was playing this and I was like, wouldn't it be interesting if instead this game didn't do like three days of Ellie and three days of Abby, but instead they were like broken up. So like Ellie day one, Abby day one, Ellie day two, Abby day two. And then it all converged to the theater. And then that's when you played as whoever you play as, um, in the theater fight. Uh, and, and how would how would that like kind of having, change the messaging? It'd be weird. I feel like if it enters, if it went back and forth, it would kind of be picking a side. Like there's a version of somebody making right. this game where right. in this moment it's like, and then you pick if you play as Abby or Ellie yeah, and you kill you the other one. And I like that right. it doesn't. I think, like I said before, like something that The Last of Us does so well, I think is it, both of them is like taking away that agency. So it's like mm-hmm. this is what's happening now, and yeah, and you're doing it right. and, yeah. and like that. that uh, 
that's what I'm saying is I'm still trying to like personally kind of figure out what what my takeaway is I mean, from I them think, making that choice of you being in that in that spot and having to play as these characters. I think and, it wants to say they did it that way. something about like, I mean, what I think what it wants is like, and then you play as Abby and you see her motivations and then isn't everything complicated, I, I think is, is what it sort of wants to do yeah, with that yeah. perspective. But I think that's something that the game tries to do again through like the way it tries to humanize all of its grunts and everything and... Yeah, I, I wasn't captivated by that, but it, it you know, I, I get it. I can't remember what I... I, yeah. I really... I, I liked that Abby didn't care that Dina was pregnant. I think, um, like we said before, like there are so many short, violent deaths in this game that part of me was like, hell yeah, who gives a shit? Um, <laughs> Abby doesn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, and I also, I guess I didn't like that Lev is the one who stops her, like he's just been through this ridiculous, terrible day that, you know, we, we move on from fairly quickly where, you know, yet again, where yeah. his whole family well, is dead. And the, the, Le- what Lev does it mean that he's now like, don't do it. Like, like there's an argument to be made that he's, you know, he's religious and maybe that's why, or like, why does so the trans guy have to be I, bigger than all the cis people none of, in this moment? You know, <laughs> none of Lev's kills to this point have been like vengeful kills yeah. in a way. Like Lev has always had that kind of like, backing to you know he kills in self-defense absolutely but you know lev has not indulged in vengeance in the way that abby and ellie have and so maybe Mm -hmm. that but but at the same time like i did have that feeling where i was like of course like lev has to be the one after just seeing like all of you know his entire life burned to ashes and get shot and stuff if i I can jump in here yeah Yeah, yeah. there's like there's a lot to unpack i I have two major thoughts here and some of it is gonna probably have to wait till next week but i think the reason it's important that you play as Abby is because, like, you are playing as the character who want like, there's, like, a gameplay element to it because, like, you as the player have to win the fight to progress the story. And so I mm-hmm. think who, who wins the fight is significant because that yeah, is the character that yeah. has, like, the agency to make a decision in what's happening here because, mm-hmm. like, Ellie has been absolutely whooped. Like, she, like, what, what happens next is not up to her. So I think it is important that you are playing as a character that has the agency in the end to make you know, the, the next sequence of events is all up to them. It's all on them. Um, on the note of Lev, though, and I think this is actually a larger note that we're going to, again, talk about more next week. Um, Cliffhanger. That, uh, <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> other, than, like, other than Ellie and Abby, like, I think characters that kind of exist outside of the, the uh, very personal revenge plot, like the ones that are on the outskirts of it, kind of, like, can exist as, com- like, foils and comparisons to other characters. I think Lev and later Dina, there is a sense that these characters exist to prove that this cycle is not a universal constant. It is not something that this world necessarily like ensures happens to everybody. Like It is on the individual to be able to let go, and it is on the individual to be able to see when something has progressed farther than it has to. So that is my reading on Lev being that's like, super, no, this int- is too much. That's so interesting to me because it's something I hated about the game was this way that I felt like the game was just saying this is inevitable and this is what happens. And uh, um, So I, I like that perspective a lot as opposed to the, the ungenerous way I saw it as like, you know, here are these side people, you know, yeah. who are I mean, like, minorities compared to the protagonists, you know, right. cast in these moral high ground, don't do right. it rules. Um, Right. Yeah, I, I just think that, that that is my feeling, and I think it is more 
overtly uh, illustrated with Dina in a, in a next week. Uh, but that is just my reading on like the characters that are that, that maybe exist on the sides of this and like maybe like understand Ellie and Abby to a point. But when it gets to the point where you know it's getting past that line of what they thought that they thought they signed up for, um, to where like again like it doesn't it feels like they have characters that are arguing that like things don't have to be this way. The characters that are you know perpetuating it just need to be able to like see that. And so they, that's why I think it is significant that like you know Lev points that out, but then like. Abby is the one that does ultimately make the decision, and you know it. It feels like she had a moment where like she could have kind of like relapsed into this same mindset that she was with Joel, where like yeah. she didn't care about everything that was around her, but and, like, you know, what it meant for everybody else. But um, what does yeah, it so, mean though that mm-hmm. gameplay wise? Gameplay wise, it's not true. And I guess this would I, I won't be on your podcast next week, but but next week I guess drives that you know comes next in the game drives at home. But you have all this idea about breaking the cycle, but like as the player, you can't do that, right? Like you're you're stuck. You know something that bugged me mm-hmm. about the game in the next section was like, oh my god, we're still doing this. Like ah, uh, I felt you know. Yeah. I, um, like, is there something to be said for that? Like the the choice to break that stuff is is always made like out of your hands and the choice to continue it is put on the player to like keep hitting the QT. Like this sounds really reductive to say there's a QTA to, QTE to do more violence, but not to do less violence. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's good. But there, but that is like yeah. an aspect that I just keep thinking about is that like when, but- when they do give you like when you are starting to participate in this violence more and more, like whether it's in a cutscene or or in gameplay, or whether they like make moments where you are participating in the cutscene violence, like I I think that does just stand out a little bit that like then you are not the one who's choosing to not do the the QTE violence. Well, right, and I think that's like I mean we've talked about it several times. Like these games aren't about the player in the most like player facing way that we've ever like you know. Yeah. And, and again, it is weird for us to come like straight off of like Bioware games where like that is like that those games are about you. They are about you exactly. making decisions. Yeah, and it, but I think yeah. like that is significant. And I think it's also like intentional. I think that like it is the final section of Last of Us Part One and that hospital where like we might had our scruples about the things that Joel did has been extrapolated into a full game where we are playing his character. Like mm-hmm. like again, we like in the theater section, like we were playing as Abby who's straight up ready to kill Ellie and like we probably have some feelings about that as a player that has, you know, a lot of attachment. Like but it is all these other options we talk about, like, they are our views on these things, not necessarily the characters. And I think like it is significant to like have a game that does not allow you that choice because like the, the characters you are playing as cannot see any other option. And I think again, like we, we, this is this is going to be like a very long episode, but um, something that I, I've been thinking a lot is about like specifically like Ellie as a character, like a character that has had agency ripped from her a lot, like that sort of um that that is like kind of a core of her character is that like all the decisions that, like the things that she wants to do are often taken away from her, like the things that like she like the perfect scenario in her head is always like there's some force whether it's what Joel did whether it's Abby beating the everloading shit out of her whether it's Dina being sick and like needing to go like all the things that she feels that she wants in this world are often just out of her reach or they are taken from somebody else and so like I think in, from that perspective like if you want to get like into like a kind of like a granular big brain meta thing like I think us as the player trying to like project when we think that she should stop feels I don't know like 
again, this is a character who always has somebody else telling her like what she wants is just out of reach. Is not something that she should she she should do, and so I think it is important that like she is like outside of what it, what we want as the player. I think it is important that she makes a decision about when she's ready to stop. Um, yeah, I, I I'm just saying that like how how would these moments change if like you were doing the choke out as Abby and then Lev like starts yelling at you or, or, or you're like about to slit the throat and you have to like hold down the button and like the meter pulls up and then you hear Lev call out and that's when you can stop. And then maybe if you do go through with it, there's like a short, I, this, this uh, would absolutely cheapen it and you shouldn't uh, do this. Yeah, this is, mm. this is the reason why not to do this, <laughs> but like there is a game over screen where it said like, did you really want to do that? But or the game like does that. do that right. When you die in this scene as, as Abby, yeah. it just starts again. So like it is making a decision, you know, yeah, it's saying, you. like, this is the way these events play out. Yeah. Like, you don't get to do, you know, Ellie does not get to win here. Um, and so I, I just, that's all I'm saying is I think it's interesting the parts where they, you know, you, you are taking part in moving it forward, not in a gameplay sense. And, and this is something that I just felt like happened more often in part two than it did in part one. And so that's why I feel like I'm thinking about it a lot is, like, there just seem to be a lot more QTEs and a lot more like yeah. times where there is like quote unquote cutscene violence happening versus like gameplay violence. Yeah. And I think the ways in which that happens, especially cause it usually corresponds to much more intimate violence, much more like up close and personal and struggling versus like last of us part one. And also with like named face characters and all that versus like last of us part one, where even we're, when you were doing it with that stuff, it was like, Oh nameless thug number three is going to get impaled on a class spike or whatever. <laughs> like um, it's, it's very different and it does like speak to what this game is talking about and the ways in which like the people we love and care the most about can get hurt and we can hurt people that, you know, might be cared about by other people. Like you can develop attachment to different people. And so now we're in the situation where we have two characters that we individually care about, but they want to murder each other. So how do we feel about that? <laughs> It's it's a lot like like I was saying at the very beginning of the podcast. This is a lot more complicated stuff to deal with. Like there's just a lot of layers to this, and so I also understand why like it it doesn't do it for some people because mm. I think this is like a more uh, I'm not even gonna say like complex, but this is just like a different kind of story than The Last of Us Part One. I think um, it's more intentionally divisive, like in a way. Yeah, that, that's yeah. that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Which is, is why, like, I, it's, 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 I think that's a good thing, because I think yeah. that is why it leads to as many, like, vastly different interpretations, which I think is interesting, because, like, I think it speaks to its strengths, like, in some ways as well. Yeah, I, I think oh. it's it's something... <clears throat> I, I think having divisive opinions about video games is often so fraught, right? I think that mm. the, mm -hmm. the culture, as evidenced by my experience on the internet, um, mm -hmm. is, you know, oh, I didn't like X, or I like Y, and then there's... The divisiveness is, oh my God, you're an idiot for whatever you think, and so yeah, the idea that yeah. I think the game does intentionally want people to feel different things about it is very mature of it, I guess. Um, which I feel weird saying because I think so much of the game it is not as mature as it thinks it is. Um, mm. But you know, I, I think it's good that, and again, to go back to what we were saying before, like that week between reviews and the game coming out, I think was so hard for this reason because nobody could see for themselves why everybody had different opinions. Um, right. And then Kenneth, you wrote about this so, so great. Again, going back to like the queer stuff in it is, is even that stuff that, you know, queer people can disagree and there is no universal queer right. take on the game. And like, th I think that's such a, 
a rarity in video games, um, which makes me sound like I'm talking down to video games, which I guess that I am. Um, and, and, so, <laughs> and so like it is exciting. It is exciting to be able to, to disagree and to have something to disagree about that isn't just like you're wrong for X or right. Y, you know? Yeah. I mean, that that is like when we talk about video games, like these are like consumer entertainment products, right? Yeah. And And the goal you would want with a video game is for it to sell a lot. And if you want to sell to a lot of people, you want a lot of people to be happy with that product. You want them to walk away feeling entertained and happy with it. Yeah. And so to have a game that is going to be divisive is going to put the player in uncomfortable situations is, is interesting in and of itself. I mean, like you want to talk about like spiritual predecessors to this game and like kind of, I, I don't know if it's ever been said, but I would bet money on that there was some Metal Gear Solid 2 inspiration in, in this game just because like you want another example of a game that was divisive and made choices about who you play as and what that means and all that like Metal Gear Solid 2. <laughs> and um but like that's that's a lot of like I think it's cool that we have games that we can talk about like that at least. And yeah. and that and also that it's being I, games have existed like that for a long time. You know, games have not been approachable or or have been like resilient in ways to players. But to have it be this like big tentpole game, like this is <laughs> like a series, a franchise that Sony is literally like pivoting around yeah, and being like HBO series remake. Let's do this. <laughs> like that's and it's around a series that is so. I mean, most of their efforts are. It, as it seems right now around that first last of us. But um, it's, yeah, it's a lot. And mm -hmm. and it's interesting to see at the least that, you know, yeah. maybe we haven't come that far, but it is like a nice little step as opposed to being like, did game do good? How we like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that's day three. Uh, we leave off with Ellie and Dina kind of laying there and Abby and Lev taking mercy and walking away. And I am really interested to see how this all wraps up because I know there's one more section of game. And I told Ken, I, I feel like I've heard God, is and, there just, and know some things. Is there but... just one more? Are you playing this for the first time? Yeah, so this is my first time playing this. Oh, like, wow. I, as we were talking about before, like part of the nature of the media beast is being the person who's willing to spoil themselves on things. Yeah. And so <laughs> I know like... I know broad strokes of what this game is, although normally just the parts that came up whenever people were like writing about yeah. it and stuff. So it's been interesting to play it for myself for the uh, first time cool. and actually see like what this is in context. And it's definitely like changed my opinion on a lot of different things or like shifted the way that I view that stuff before. But uh, yeah, I'm really interested <laughs> to see how what I've heard about the end I'm of this interested. game actually plays out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, cause woof. And we, so we also have only one more week. And so, yes, the folks at home, you might be asking yourselves, what are Eric and Ken doing next? Um, because, uh, yeah, we got, so Ken, do we want to like informally announce it here? We are going to do like a larger bio bit about it at sure, some if, point. If somebody's going to, you know, be two hours into this, they might as well get, get a little, a little a thing for the, for the road. Yeah, yeah we'll and, and we have not been subtle about teasing it on Twitter either. <laughs> um, that we're going to be doing Final Fantasy X and X2 yeah. next. Uh, that is our next retrospective. Uh, there's also going to be some other like 
let's say logistical adjustments that we are making because these games ain't getting any shorter (laughs) and and ken and i uh have especially over e3 time been uh burning it a little bit at both ends to to meet the weekly schedule and so we're going to be changing some things up in that regards too so we'll be doing a larger individual episode about that so don't worry about that but yeah final fantasy 10 and 10 2 um that's where i mean we're still trying to figure out how we're going to do 10 2 because that's structure of the game complicate things but yeah not does not fit as easily into our usual schedule as like final fantasy 10 which is a fairly linear game does so uh we're, we're trying to figure that one out but we already have our roadmap for 10 mapped out have been reaching out to people we're, we're very excited about it um should have some fun with that one uh I mean, it's in our cons. It, it, it's in our art. So, like, yeah. we should really which was which was a coincidence, cover- actually. Yeah, we just picked games that both of us liked, <laughs> and Final Fantasy X was one of them. It's much like the way this podcast started, we were like, "Hey, we both like this game, right?" <laughs> so, um, but as always, we are a podcast. We're a retrospective podcast called Normandy FM, formerly a Bioware podcast that is now branching out into new and exciting things. Um, I'm just pulling up my, my thing now to look at our list because we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Normandy FM, where you can go and support the things we do. Uh, help me and Ken, uh, keep up with costs, which I think we both, I mean, are you going to play, where are you going to play Final Fantasy X, Ken? Uh, I got it on everything, so I'll figure it out. Yeah, I was, I'm debating whether I'm going to play it because I have a disc copy of the PS4 because I got the mm. special edition when mm. it came out for the PS4, but I'm thinking about playing it on my Switch. But yeah, I would I say I might, might do it on my handheld because I've got Vita, which... Yeah. Vita. Yeah. <laughs> the indestructible Vita. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it does mean life, persevering everlasting life into the zombie pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> um... But as always, you can go support us there. Any amount will get you into the backer discord where we talk about all kinds of stuff, share uh, lovely memes and all that. And where we'll also probably be talking about some of the changes that are coming to the Patreon and, and such. Uh, if you back at the next level, you get all our episodes as soon as Ken is done editing them. And at the highest level, you get your name shout out every week on the podcast. I almost just read our <laughs> reach out guest list as the Patreon <laughs> backer list. Oh, no. <laughs> That would have been funny. Um, and this week, those folks are Kevin Kulikowski, Chris Johns, Alice Hawk, Colin, just Colin, just the Wedge of Destiny, Zach James, and Kevin Hux. Thank you all so much for contributing and keeping this thing going. Riley, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. Hanging out and chatting. Yeah. It went an yeah. hour longer than we asked you to come on. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. It was so fun. <laughs> Uh, where can the folks at home find all the lovely stuff you do and hopefully wow. good news of even more stuff to come in the future? <laughs> um, yeah, I guess you can't find me on the website anymore, um, but I'm on Twitter <laughs> at uh, RCMcLeod, M-A-C-L-E-O-D. Um, I made some biscuits this morning and I posted a picture of them. <laughs> oh, so, hell yeah. what, what kind of biscuits are we uh, talking about? Um, I've got this really good vegan cookbook. I'm not vegan, but every so often I panic and feel like I should be. Um, so I made these these <laughs> vegan biscuits with um, teff flour, which is the flour that um, you probably would have eaten in uh, in Jura, the Ethiopian bread when you get Ethiopian food. Anyway, okay. they were really good, and I used coconut oil, which I've never used to bake with before, and that was really fun. Um, so they were very good. Oh, I've, 
I never use coconut oil. That's very good. Yeah, it works just like butter, but I was really paranoid that it would melt. And so I was just panicking the whole time. Like, it's melting, it's melting. And I'm very bad at biscuits because, like, the secret to biscuits Mm -hmm. is not to work them too much. And I find this a a very intimidating ethos, you know, where it's like, don't knead it Mm -hmm. too much, don't stir it too much. And I'm like, ah. So it makes me because, you know, you need the chunks of fat to make the layers and the science. <laughs> so yeah, now that I'm not working on a video game website, it's like, yeah, what's the point of Twitter anymore? Um, which is very liberating. Oh. So. oh God, yeah, that sounds great. I thought about well, quitting I- Twitter, but I guess I will need a job, and Twitter is probably helpful for that. <laughs> I sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I've gotten jobs off of Twitter, but I don't know. I also make a case every day for why I shouldn't have a check mark. So <laughs> it's. <laughs> Column A, column B. I liked that I got one like right before I quit my job. That was helpful. So, um, oh, you got yours in that last yeah. batch of them. <laughs> yeah, like oh, that's all I have to before. do to get to get one. I just gotta quit my job. Quit your job. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, it's uh, it's exciting. It's weird. Well, Riley, thank you so much. You were a joy thank to have you. on today. Yeah. We're glad we finally got you on here. I know. I I like your. I like that you all like this game. It makes me feel like good. And now I'm like maybe I should play it again, huh? But again, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to watch a Let's Play while lying on my couch. That's valid. Yeah. That's, hey, that's a great way to do it. Yeah. For all of us, we will see you here next time on the Normandy FM Last of Us Part 2 finale in Santa Barbara here. Tune in.